It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to another bumper edition of Sports Central here on SEN. Uh, Saturday, the 4th of December. And uh, while I've got your attention, do not forget, if you have to vote in those uh, local council elections, yeah, it's already slipped my mind. If I can't get there uh, later on this afternoon, I can expect myself uh, to get another fine. It's happened before, and... uh, God, I hope it doesn't happen again. But I hope you've already done it. Uh, in Sydney town, uh, pretty grey old skies. It looks like the overcast weather is back. I don't know uh, when, if the rain is expected. A couple of good days of sunshine, didn't we, in the Harbour City? Um, but I hope you're enjoying your Saturday. Well, I hope you enjoyed your Saturday morning and your afternoon. Stick around with us and uh, we'll try and keep you uh, entertained, informed, a bit of both. Right up until 4 o'clock this afternoon. We've got a stack of guests lined up. I'll go through those uh, for you in a moment. Uh, we'll talk all the rugby league transfer news. It seems every day there's a, another story coming out. Uh, Appy Corusau, that's the big mover, isn't it? He's uh, joining the West Tigers on a three-year deal um, after next season from Penrith. So uh, that drain continues of talent from the Panthers. And that's what happens when you, uh, when you win a premiership and you are successful. Uh, the salary cap, it just comes to bite you on the backside, doesn't it? So Appy is the latest uh, player to go. Um, we'll be talking footy and cricket and, well, anything else in the world of sport. Fox Sports and SEN's own Matty Russell. Um, it's his regular segment. What's doing in the gong? We'll chat to Matty Russell uh, in a bit as well. Cricket, it's being reported, you'll know by now, over the past 24 hours of, or so, um, that Mitchell Stark has been spared the axe for the uh, the first Ashes test at the Gabba. Not that I think the axe was necessarily hovering over his neck, to be honest. Uh, but there are those that uh, were sort of pushing for Stark to go and Jai Richardson to come in. But uh, it looks like Starkey will be there. I think that is the right call. Travis Head, uh, too. It looks like he's won the number five batting spot ahead of Usman Kawaja. They've both been in pretty good form, haven't they, in the early parts of, well, the Shield, etc. Um, and both been around the, the, the squad for many, many years. Travis just hasn't seemed to be able to make that, that spot in the middle order his own. But he, he will get another chance. It looks like he's a lock for the uh, the first test at the Gabba. We'll talk plenty of cricket um, a few days out from that first Ashes test. And for those uh, following the uh, India v New Zealand, that second test, uh, Stumps day one um, in Mumbai. So India chose to bat. Uh, they'll go into uh, the second day's action there, India, at four for 221. Captain Virat Kohli went to LB for a duck. And Agarwal, their opener. Uh, he's unbeaten on 120 runs, so uh, that will recommence uh, well later on this evening. Uh, the new season tipped off uh, last night in the NBL. The the new boys, the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. Yeah, what do you think about their name, the Jack Jumpers? Could we just call them the Jacks or the Jumpers? They probably will. It's an ant, by the way, I'm told, a jack jumper. They're off to a winning start anyway in their maiden season, uh, beating the Brisbane Bullets 83-74 in Hobart. Uh, Perth Wildcats, they beat Adelaide 36ers last night, uh, 85-73. Uh, tonight, uh, there's a game too. Southeast Melbourne take on 
uh, New Zealand Breakers. We'll also chat to the boss of the Sydney Kings ahead of their season opener. The Kings host uh, Melbourne United tomorrow. And uh, we'll also take a look at what's happened uh, across, I think it was nine or ten games today in the NBA. We'll do that at the back end of the show when uh, most of those games, if not all of them, are pretty much wrapped up. And uh, no looksy Brooksy. He's going to jump on the line and have a chat. We'll talk more than uh, basketball with Brooksy because he's a, well, he's a pretty unique character. He's a bit out there. And um, he's a man about town too. So we'll we'll catch up with Brooksy uh, around about half past three. The A-League Western Sydney Wanderers have enjoyed uh, their first win of the new season, uh, beating Wellington Phoenix 2-0. That was in Wollongong last night. We'll look ahead to uh, the three games to be played tonight as well. And also... Um, preview what's to come uh, from the English Premier League. Some big, big games coming up tonight and in, in the early hours tomorrow as well. And the voice of football in this country, Simon Hill, uh, host of the Global Game as well. He'll join me for a chat a little bit later on. Well, a huge weekend, as we know, uh, in motorsport. Uh, for all you rev heads, the great race, the Bathurst 1000, the final practice session is just about to get underway, in fact, on the mountain. Uh, and then the all-important top 10 shootout later on this afternoon. We'll obviously keep you across all that's happening at Mount Panorama. And we're going to chat to, well, a fellow who's already raced today, yeah? He's already had a race in uh, one of the support categories, and he is uh, host of the driver's seat here on SEN, Matt McKeldin. He's going to join us ahead of uh, the big event tomorrow. Also, I am reliably informed, uh, Jaleesa Apps, Channel 10 reporter, who uh, joins us from time to time. She's also out there. She's pitched a tent on the mountain. Um, I didn't know she was a rev head, Jaleesa. Didn't know she was into her, uh, her cars, but obviously she is. So we're going to try and chat to her as well if we can find her. Uh, big, big crowds have been out there all through uh, the week. Now... Uh, there's a book that's been released, uh, well, I think it was a few weeks ago now, by Andrew Webster. Good fellow, Webby, and obviously does a, a lot of good work for us here at SEN, uh, also with the uh, Sydney Morning Herald. If These Walls Could Talk. I'm going to talk to Webby about his latest book. But I'm also going to talk to him uh, this afternoon, probably about half past two, I think we'll, we'll try and catch up with Webby. Uh, there's an article he's written today in the Sydney Morning Herald, basically uh, around Brandon Smith where West Tigers have rejected an approach by Melbourne Storm to offload Brandon Smith for next season in a swap deal. So it would seem the Storm are pretty peed off with all that's gone on in the past week. And Brandon Smith in the podcast, we know he's joining the Roosters in 2023, but according to Webby, um, the Storm want him gone. But West Tigers have rejected an offer for a swap with uh, Stefano Utokamanu, young uh, young prop forward. But it's contrary to, if you look at a rival newspaper, and their headline is, The Storm Reject Cheese Trades. So it says that a handful of clubs have approached the Storm to take Smith. Whereas Webby is saying, no, uh, the Storm have tried to offload Brandon Smith. We'll get to the bottom of all that with Andrew Webster a bit later on. So as I say, we have got loads to look forward to over the next four jam-packed hours here on Sports Central. As always, love you guys to get involved with the show. We can talk football, we can talk cricket, NRL, uh, or motorsport. Or motorsport for all you petrol heads uh, ready to park your esky in front of the um, the widescreen TV for the next 48 hours. Uh, pick up the phone, give me a call, get involved 
Get off your pain harsh and uh, pick up the Al Capone. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. There's space there now if you do want to have a chat or if you want to get involved with the show via the text line. Here's the number again if you don't know it already. 0457 736 736. Good afternoon and welcome to Sports Central. Great afternoon. Uh, a few little hiccups along the way. Quarter past 12. We're here until 4. Hope you uh, have enjoyed uh, your Saturday morning. Uh, let me know what you've been up to. Let me know what you're planning to do and, and great that we can keep company. Uh, you and me and uh, uh, we'll do it for the next few hours. We're here till 4 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, as I've just gone through, we've got a, a jam-packed show. Loads of guests uh, coming up right throughout the afternoon to keep us on our toes um, keep us informed and a bit of humour too. I, I generally go for guests with a bit of personality, sort of just to bump the show up a bit, to, to compliment, I guess, uh, uh, me lacking in that that area, some might say. I'm joking, actually, Justice of the Peace on panels over there. Good afternoon to you. Good morning. I was jo- morning I was jo- slash afternoon, Chris. Yeah. How are you this this. No, it's, it's an okay Saturday. I'm good. I know I'm good, mate. I, I'm well. I'm well. Ready to rip into it because there's loads going on. Uh, are you a rev head yourself? You like your cars? I do like Bathurst. It's just the TV product itself when it's on the race day. Yeah. It's one of the broadcasts. It's so good to watch. It's because, long, but you can drift in and out, can't you? But as well, too, they dumb it down for the average person, mm, which is like, very good. Like you and me, mm. Mr. Average. Yes. We are Mr. Average. Mr. Average. There's Mr. Men books. My kids have got them or had them when they're younger. I don't know if they've got Mr. Average in there. Put me in there, Mr. Average. Let us know. I do know a few of our listeners uh, love this. They live for, for mm. Bathurst. Um, one in particular, he'd be stocking up on the Bundys. <laughs> it's past um, past midday, so the uh, the sun's over the yard arm and beyond. He'd be mm. into the Bundys. Um, and those that might be tuning in up there on the mountain too, oh, well, maybe through the app, um, just take it easy. I know the limit is what? Okay. One case per head? Jeez, that's a – imagine knocking a whole case of beer off in the whole in a day. I, it's doable. I could do it. I'm sure I could do it. I don't know how – I'd feel a bit dusty at the end of the day. I think you're allowed a bottle of, like, spirits as well. God knows. Anyway, look, uh, don't dampen the spirits the, – the, uh, <laughs> the experience, rather, out there at the mountain. Enjoy it. I'm sure it should be um, a ripping couple of days. We're going to talk uh, more about Bathurst later on. Matt McKeldon, he actually drove this morning in one of the support categories. So I hope he's okay. He's packing up around about now. Um, he's done, but he'll still, still be uh, paying a close eye on what's happening uh, later on. The top 10 shootouts, about 5 o'clock, and then uh, the big race tomorrow afternoon which could go anywhere, well, finish at six, seven, maybe even later. Uh, we don't know. Um, Sydney Swans, too, so the AFL fixture is out for next year. That's always a bit of a bugbear. of oh, Two bugbears, actually, while I'm talking about Bathurst. When did it start becoming and referred to as Bathurst? Anyone? Bueller? Anyone? Listeners? As, when did it start becoming Bathurst? And even some of the leading drivers on interviews you hear, they refer to it as Bathurst. God's sake, come on. It's been Bathurst since Adam was a boy, um, since they began gold panning out there. And that's still there, I'm sure, the uh, the big pan next to the old uh, the caravan park there as you, as you drive in on your right. It's never been Bathurst. Come on, get real. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Let me know. I've got an issue with that. See, little things, little things. Um, the other little thing that I've got an issue with, why do AFL refer to 
their season, you know, the two or 300 fixtures in their season. Why do they call it the fixture? Anyway, the AFL fixture is out. Uh, and round one, um, bumper Sydney derby, Giants and Swans. They will uh, lock horns at the course stadium. When is that? March 19, Saturday, March 19. And all eyes, we've been waiting for a while, haven't we? For far too long. We've been waiting for Buddy Franklin to notch that all-important 1,000th goal. Um, he's uh, been stuck for a while, uh, Buddy. He's 30, 34 now, so he's not getting any younger. Signed that, that big nine-year contract, didn't he? Worth about $10 million way back when. So he needs five more majors uh, to reach the 1,000-goal milestone. Unlikely it's going to happen uh, on their first game of that fixture. Uh, wouldn't it be nice, though? Wouldn't it be nice if Buddy booted five and uh, ticked up the 1,000 uh, marker? There's a story I want to sink my teeth into a little bit more, uh, South Sydney fans. Um, concerning Anthony Milford, it's been written today by Paul Kent in the, uh, the Saturday Telegraph. Um, I will go through it in full. Basically, uh, Paul Kent is, is saying it's all a bit rich, isn't it? Why isn't a club owned by billionaires, not one, but two billionaires and a Hollywood actor, why isn't that club paying for Milford's unregistered contract? I'll go through that in detail. We know that Anthony Milford is facing uh, some very serious charges. But the uh, only reason he can't be stood down under the no-fault no policy, well, they can't stand him down from the no-fault policy because he hasn't got a contract. He's not registered, so he doesn't qualify to be stood down from the no-fault policy. If the contract had been registered as it was supposed to have been registered, well, when they stand him down, as they have done, he'd still be getting paid. But at the moment, Anthony Milford and... This has got a long way to go through the courts, so I don't want to talk too much about that. But he's not been proven guilty, and he's not getting paid. So we might have a talk about that as well a little bit later on. Loads to sink our teeth into. We will also try and find you a, a winner or two. We'll do that in just a moment. But also what I want you to get involved with, you may have heard last night on my Higher Ground show, we came up with our number one sporting triumph, Australian sporting triumph from the past 12 months. So Higher Ground, sadly, is done and dusted. It's gone for the year. So I'm out of work now um, during weeknights. But we came up with our number one moment. So if you weren't listening, doesn't matter. I'm going to throw five moments at you right now, listeners, and I want you to tell me, out of these five, I guess, or if you've got one that eclipses these five, send it through as well. Okay. Here are the five. I want you to give me your one, two, and three. All right? Your one, two, and three. There's boxing in there with what George Cambosis Jr. did uh, last week, the new lightweight champion of the world, undisputed, by the way, claiming all four belts. George Cambosis Jr., that hasn't been done, by the way, by any Aussie ever. We won the – so that's uh, that's one of them. Let's call that A. B is Australian cricketers winning the T20 World Cup. We'd never done that before. That goes in. C, another thing we had never done before is the Boomers – the men's basketball team winning a bronze medal. Our first ever medal in the Olympics for basketball. Boomers are in there at sea. Emma McKeon, she claimed not one, two, 
or three, but four gold medals in the pool at the Olympics. Seven medals all up. Emma McKeon. She goes in at D. And I'll throw number E or letter E in for you there. Ash Barty winning Wimbledon. How good was that? So we've got Barty at E, McKeon at D, Boomers at C, Cricket World Cup at B, and Cambosis at A. Send me through your thoughts. What do you think is the, the best sporting triumph from an Aussie perspective um, over the past 12 months? If you've got another one uh, or two, uh, send it through, won't you? 0457 736 736 is the text line. Yes, indeed, it is Sports Central. Coming up to 27 minutes past uh, midday. We're here until 4 o'clock this afternoon with loads to uh, to keep us uh, busy. We're going to talk some football a little bit later on with Simon Hill, reflect on uh, what, oh, well, last night's A-League, but uh, a few games coming up today as well. Uh, we're going to head out to the mountain. Jaleesa Rapps is out there as we speak from Channel 10. We're going to cross to her, Matt McKeldin. He's also out there. He drove this morning, Matty. Uh, he is host of the driver's seat. Uh, you'll be aware if you're a regular listener to this show. So we'll we'll chat to him and see if he pulled up in one piece. Um, he's in the Trans Am division this morning. I think he was racing at about nine o'clock. So he'd be packing up his uh, his stuff as we speak right now. And Maddie Russell will jump on the uh, on the uh, the dog and bone uh, in about quarter of an hour, and we'll uh, we'll check out what's going on in the gong. Uh, Maddie Russell got his own show down there these days. He's been busy because he was. He was on late last night as well on the Fox Sports News desk um, where Maddie and I, we used to work there together for, for many years. Uh, good fella. And he's going to jump on the show and talk uh, footy and motorsport too. He's covered that for many, many years. So lots for us to get through. Brett Kamali's going to join us a bit later on too. Uh, Nodster. Uh, we'll talk to him too about, you know, and the acquisition of Appy Corusau out there at the Tigers and Andrew Webster later on as well. Right now, though, we're going to try and unearth a tip or two for you and joining us on the line, like he has been kind enough to do for the past uh, few weeks, is Chris Nelson. Good afternoon, Chris O. How are you, Chris? Mate, I'm good. I'm good. Um, You can make me better, and you know exactly what I mean by that, Uh, and you can make (laughs) our listeners um, a little brighter too on an otherwise pretty gloomy day here in Sydney. So we got racing. Uh, we got Rose Hill today, and I think there's a, a couple of races. I think Gay's got a few runners there, which have uh, implications uh, going into Magic Millions. Uh, you might be able to find us a winner there. Where else? We've got Durban. We've got Newcastle as yep. well. Uh, look, you just tell me where you want to start, and, and I'll follow your dance. All right. We've got, uh, we might as well start at Rose Hill. I've just got the one there, and it comes up late in the day, but we'll also look at Doombin because that's a really good meeting. The summer carnival's in full swing at uh, Doombin or in Queensland at the moment. And the Gold Coast, there's a good thing early on in the Gold Coast, which might be able to kick a few people off on a winning note. Oh, but we'll like uh, start like sound in that. Sydney. It does sound good. Let's just hope it pans out that way. <laughs> we'll start at Rose Hill. Uh, we're going with race nine here, number eight, Catalan, for James Cummings and Tim Clark. Now, Timmy Clark's just ridden the first winner at Rose Hill, so that's a good sign. Yes. A man in form. Very impressive winning first up. And then just, I thought, was a little bit flat at uh, at, New- at uh, Newcastle on Hunter Day in that last race. I think we did tip Catalan. It didn't really run on, but I think you'll find there's a lot better horse than that. Stays at the same grade, but if you look at the handicaps, the official handicap ratings here, I think gets in quite well. Uh, down on 54 and a half near the limit weight here. So from a good gate, uh, has been, I'd say, well-supported, but then steady in the market right from when markets open. Hasn't drifted out, kept its place. So I think Catalan 
is the way to go there at Rose Hill this afternoon. So if you're looking for a bet at Rose Hill, you need to be patient mm-hmm. all the way to race nine, 4.20 local time, and that is number eight, Catalan. Race nine, number eight, Catalan. Yeah, that's the trouble, though, isn't it? it that's a, Sometimes yes. we don't have any beans left come uh, the last <laughs> couple of races. All right, well, let's hope we do today, all right? Catalan. So race nine, number eight, Catalan. All righty, let's lock that one in. All right, do you want to go Durban or Gold Coast? Where do you want to go? Well, let's go Gold Coast. Yeah. Uh, race two, just the one here. Number eight, Beck and Lenny. Now, it's probably going to be a touch over $2, so no uh, new cars with the proceeds of this win, but, gee, she uh, she looks well-placed. She's on a, she's a, she's a mare that loves the wet ground, and it's a heavy track this morning. It'll probably improve to a soft at the Gold Coast, but it is a heavy as we speak. She loves that. She loves the 1,800 metres there on her home track, and, Look, she ran a really good race in town last time out. She got shuffled back before the home turn, and then she ran on uh, quite well. I thought she was a good chance at the Gold Coast last Saturday at that main meeting that was unfortunately washed out. So if it was, she was a good chance there, she's an even better chance here against only average opposition. So race two, number eight, Beck and Lenny early in the day at the Gold Coast. Okay. Anything else on the coast? Did you say you had a couple up there? No, nah, just one right. there, unfortunately. Uh, big... It's a tough-looking day on that track. All right. No, that's good, mate. Less is more. Less is more, and then we might have some pennies come the uh, race nine in Sydney. <laughs> Durban, big meeting at Durban. Then you reckon you might be able to unearth a few there for us? Yeah, I'm pretty confident here. Race three, number three, Ashbro. Tony Gollan and Ryan Maloney combined here. Won a maiden midweek by three and a half lengths at Durban recently. Uh, took off before the home turn, went for home, was never going to get beaten. Could have won by five, but Ryan Maloney was very kind to him over the last 50 metres or so. Now, all these horses rise to 2,000 for the first time. He's mm. beautifully bred to handle it, being by done deal. And we're on a soft seven, an improving soft seven at Doom, and so the ground's no issue. I just think some of these, uh, they're not up to his league. I think he's very, very promising. He's only had the three starts. He's in the right stable, and he's drawn quite well. So race three, number three, Ashgrove, the best of the day at Doombin. But I've got a few others there, so I'll roll through them if you like. Yeah, yeah, please do. R- race six, number two, So You Win. Now, So You Win was a bit of an eye-catcher at the Sunshine Coast a couple of weeks ago. Well, he hit the line well late. was only beaten just under two and a half lengths. Up to 2,000, perfect. Mm. bit of cut in the ground is absolutely perfect. The only slight query, but he's drawn a good gate. I just need Jimmy Orman to find a decent spot. There doesn't look to be a lot of tempo in this race. So he needs to be in striking distance on the home turn, and I think he can do that. So if that's the case, So You Win, very hard to beat. Race six, number two. Okay. Uh, we'll go to race eight. Now, this is um, – no, I'm not going to race eight. I don't want to touch race eight. I don't know why I wrote down race eight. I meant race nine. So race nine, mm-hmm. number four, Baller. This is, this is a really these good race. These are all in Durban, by the way, listeners. Yeah, all these are all Durban. Yep. yep. This is a really good race. Zoo style number five is a flyer, and he returned after a 400-day break winning well at the Sunshine Coast two weeks ago. Yeah. Now, there was another horse in this race called uh, We Own a Smart One very well named and very quick and would have put a bit of pressure, hopefully, on Zoostyle. But they've scratched that horse going around at the Gold Coast today instead at about a dollar ten, so not really worth backing. Mm. But uh, it leaves Zoostyle with probably a soft lead, but still think he might be vulnerable late and the stablemate baller might be the way to go here. And you can back him each way, race nine, number four. He was very, very good first up. And he, too, just needs to be a little closer in the run, and he should be because he's drawn a good alley here for Steph Thornton. So race nine... Number four, Baller, and the last. Well, we're always looking for one in the last, and it's quite late today, too. So, so yeah, just on that, that one, Chris, just yeah. on that. So, so Baller, take take Baller to beat Zoo style, yeah? 
Yeah, yep. I, I think I think Sue style will either win by two lengths mm. or it'll be vulnerable late and ball will run right over the top of it. Okay. Uh, I think good. one of those scenarios will play out. So if you box them up somehow, uh, in Cordella's exactors, that's that's mm. a good way to go. Okay. That's at Durban. Um, Beautiful. Yep. And this last race, uh, number four, Stella Magic. Now she's a really good filly. She gets back in her races. There's very strong speed here. She's always flying at the end of a thousand meters. She goes to twelve hundred today. She's been over at once, and she wasn't great. She was beaten two lengths, but I think she's going better now than she was at that stage. So. I'm more than happy to give her a chance in the last two. Again, you can back her each way at around about uh, $6, I think, when I last checked. So Stella Magic in the last, which is quite late. Southern States time is, what, 6.48, local time 5.48. All right. I like that. Um, did you say you had one at Ascot, maybe? Best of, best yep. bet over there? Yeah, there's some good racing at Ascot. There's a Group 1. The uh, the Jungle Dawn is no, the Kingston Town for Group 1. Western Empire is like a dollar thirty or forty, so yeah, I won't no get that. But yeah. in race four, no, we don't need any of those. Uh, race four, reliable start, just looks beautifully placed. Third run uh, this time in. Uh, Holly Watson's been doing the riding, and nothing wrong with her riding. But Willie Pike jumps on today. Gate number one, I think uh, she'll be able to take care of a pretty bunch of or a pretty average bunch of stayers there. So reliable start. You'll get around uh, two dollars twenty, something like that, probably. Good one for your multi. Should be winning. So. Bit of a mix there of shorties and a, nothing at odds on, but a bit of a mix there of shortish ones and a couple of value as well. Yeah, okay. So that's uh, that was race four, number four, reliable star. It is shortening, I think. Reliable star might even be into the into the red. Yeah, but is anyway, it? we might be able to lock that into a to a multi race four, number four over there in Ascot at a short short price though. Uh, all right, so uh, B best bet of the day. Uh, where do we go? I'm going with Ashgrove, race three, number three at Doombin. I think uh, I think he's the most promising horse in that race. I think he'll go on and win better. And he's in the right stable. He's got the right jockey. So there's a lot of ticks there for Ashgrove. Chris? Mate, I appreciate it, Chrissy. Uh, appreciate that. And um, I don't think we'll, we'll be able to catch up next week. I don't think I'm on next week. We've got the uh, the Test Crickets taking over everything. But I just want to say oh, thanks, well. mate, for the past few weeks. Um, you've unearthed one here and there. Um, I've been struggling. Yeah, it has been great. <laughs> <laughs> no, at least you're honest. At least you're honest. But, hey, that, that means today might be great, all right? Enjoy the rest of your day. You too, Chris. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Great stuff. There is Chris Nelson, uh, SEN uh, form analyst, and been kind enough to give up uh, some of his time over the past few weeks. So just we're going to take a break shortly. Uh, he's best of the day, though, uh, in Durban. If you want to have a little flutter and do gamble responsibly, race three, number three, Ashgrove. Also at Durban. He likes race six, number two, so you win. Race nine, number four, baller. Race 10, number four, Stella Magic. Uh, in Sydney at Rose Hill, we have to wait till race nine. Race nine, number eight, I think it was Catalan. Okay, be patient. And then Gold Coast, just one up there. Uh, race two at the Gold Coast, race two, number eight, Beck and Lenny. Beck and Lenny, but best of the day uh, in Durban. Durban, race three, number three, Ashgrove. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Sports Central. When we return, we're going to talk to Maddie Russell. All things sport, and it can be anything, really. We'll throw all sorts of things at Maddie. We'll do that next. Yes, it is Sports Central. It is coming up to a quarter to one. Hope you're enjoying your, your Saturday afternoon in Sydney town. Overcast skies, but we had a couple of days of sunshine. The sun came out on the first day of summer, which was appropriate and stayed around for another 24 hours and now looks to have um, sort of just gone back behind the clouds. And 
hopefully um, we won't be having too much wet weather uh, leading up to Christmas, but I think there is some more coming around the corner. And I hope that uh, tomorrow it all stays fine, which I think it is the forecast for the big event out there at uh, the Bathurst 1000 tomorrow around about, I think the temperature is going to come down a bit. It's about 25 or 26 out there today or even more. Uh, We'll drop a little bit tomorrow, but I don't think there's going to be any rain on the track. And that's a good thing, I think. Uh, for drivers, certainly. Viewers sometimes don't mind it if it gets a little bit greasy out there. Uh, why is that we we like carnage and we like um, all that sort of stuff and we sort of, uh, we find humour sometimes in others' misfortune. Uh, we're a peculiar beast, us humans, aren't we? Uh, Matty Russell's not a peculiar beast. He's a, he's a good beast. He's one, of the, he's one of the good guys and he's a busy beast. Because uh, he's had his show down there in the gong this morning on SEN. He's uh, also last night was almost working up to midnight, unless the whole show was looped and recorded on Fox Sports News desk. And Matty joins us. Good afternoon, buddy. How are you? Hello, Christopher. Do you get Christopher very often? Uh, no, uh, my brother calls me it occasionally. <laughs> funnily enough, I don't mind it. Uh, don't mind. You know what my middle name is? Talking of sport. No, Christopher. Okay, Don. No, Christopher Dean. Do you remember Dean. Jane Torval's partner? Oh, right. Yes, yeah. there you go. There you go. There you go. Spelt the same way too, weirdly. I think it's D-E-N-E. Weird. What were my parents okay. thinking? Okay, okay. Anyway. Well, mate, when, when you mentioned the fact that summer hasn't been here yet, mm. we had uh, Nick Squires from the Illawarra Surf Academy. He gives us a surf report each week on Saturdays in the gong. And he reported this morning that the temperature outside was 18 degrees. Mm. The water temperature was 19 degrees. So he advised everyone to go and jump in the ocean to warm up this afternoon. And might as well take your surfboard while you're at it. Jump in. Jump in. It's it's quite quite fine. I went for a dip, uh, a swim this morning, actually. It was uh, nice in there. Um, And sometimes you're right. You do get out of the pool and it's bloody colder outside the pool. You've you've spent plenty of time around motorsport and Bathurst particularly, Matty, haven't you, in in your travels um, far and wide? It's a great event. And and even I don't know how how close you are to to, if you love your cars or not, but your average man or woman in the street, I don't want to be sexist. Normally you'd say your average man in the street, your average person in the street these days. I mean, they have an interest, don't they? Because generally most of us drive a car. Um, Absolutely. And in the olden days, most of us drove a, a Ford or a Holden. I've got to say that of all the things I've done in my sports journalism career, broadcasting career, which I feel very fortunate about, one of the highlights has been covering the Bathurst 1000. I did it mm. for nearly a decade. And the highlights were that the fans, men and women, were varied, always great characters, always there mm-hmm. to give you a story. And there were many. Then you dealt with the drivers who regardless of whether you were a first-timer to Bathurst or your 50th year there reporting it, they were respectful, they were giving, they would talk to you literally 30 seconds before they flew around the mountain Mm. at up to 300 kilometres an hour. Now, there are other sports that you can't get close to a day out from game day. Here are these drivers giving you their really revealing thoughts seconds before they went into what, let's face it, is a life or death event around Mount Panorama. So I just found it absolutely captivating. And each year I went, Chris, I said to myself, I've been there before. I'm not going to be surprised at how fast these cars go around Mount Panorama. I've experienced it now. Mm. I know what to expect. Every year, within two minutes of stepping onto the track, I'd say, holy hell, they go fast. I can't believe they go that fast. And I was lucky enough to have a hot lap. And, And I'm not exaggerating when I say every corner 
I thought we were going to crash. I was adamant, no, we've started braking too late. We're gone here. Mm. But the cars are so sensational. The braking system is so high-tech that they can do mm. amazing things with those amazing vehicles. That's why I love the, the Bathurst 1000. Yeah, well, Will Brown has did some amazing things yesterday. So his provisional poll, the, the quickest lap of the weekend, um, the young fella. He's his cool, enthusiasm and his excitement just infectious. And I love this phrase. I just decided to grow a set and have a crack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only a young bloke could say that and get away with it and deliver on it. And I was surprised to see Jamie Wincup and Craig Lowndes not make the top 10. So it'll mm. be a bit of uh, generation next in the top 10 this afternoon. They That would be the fairy tale story, though, wouldn't it? You would have thought Wincup and Lowndes. So you've got, you got Jamie, haven't you? Seven-time supercars champ. And then Craig... He's won on the mountain seven times, and now they're together. And that's right. It's uh, that would be the fairy tale, I think, that we'd all be sort of hoping for. Maybe could happen. It could happen from eleventh. You know, go back to twenty twelve and an amazing race. Um, you know, where Win Cup was front and centre. It absolutely could happen tomorrow that Win Cup and Lowndes from eleventh find themselves uh, racing at the finish for the honours. How important are the grid positions? I'm going to ask Matt McKeldon too. He's, he drove out there this morning in the Trans Am division, so hopefully he's still in one piece. Um, but I, I'm just wondering, because I'm not a motorsport enthusiast. I, I do, you know, I, I like Bathurst, obviously. But, you know, it's over a thousand K. So basically from here to Brisbane or here to Gold Coast, Sydney. Mm. Um, mm. Does it matter that you're, you know, starting from, say, 11th on the grid over over 161 laps? Well, let's use Manly as an example last season in the NRL. <laughs> they did win a game for the first, uh, what was it, month? And then yep. they were at the end as a legitimate contender. I don't think you can uh, win Bathurst in the first hour or two tomorrow, but you can certainly lose it. And if Win Cup and Lounge keep their car going straight and true for the first couple of hours, then others will be fading by them. And uh, I don't think it's going to take too much um, consideration that they're from 11th. And yes, it's nice to be at the the pointy end of the grid, but it's not the be-all and end-all when you're racing over a 1,000 mm. kilometres at Mount Panorama. I say you've been busy uh, on the Fox Sports News desk and, and down there doing your show in the gong this morning. How was this morning's show? Well, episode number four, I think now, is it? was it? Yeah, yeah, we're having fun. The, the Wollongong Golf Club is always a picture and there were plenty of men and women out having a hit and just over the road from where we broadcast, actually, the Steelers Club, a famous landmark in Wollongong, uh, right next to Wing Stadium, where I know you've come numerous yeah, times. there's to, been to a new addition. There's been a, a new addition there to the Steelers been. Club. <laughs> it's like announcing the birth of a new child, isn't yeah. it? But uh, recently they upgraded the, upgraded the, the function centre upstairs and called it Scarlet's after the colour of... Um, you know, the original Illawarra Steelers. Yeah. But now they've added, which is quite strange, but let's face it, you think of Rugby League and the Steelers Club, you probably think of Reshers and Tui's New and, yes. you know, Schooners, etc. They've just thrown in a wine bar slash cocktail bar boutique and called it Five Beekman after a, a building that's apparently famous in Manhattan. So they've, they've gone the culture route. They're mm. changing tack just a little and giving um, diners and drinkers mm. a different option. So you can go there... And you know, pretend you're in downtown Manhattan as you sip on a cocktail. What's your favourite cocktail, Chris? If you Mate, if you I, have to have a cocktail, do you have a go-to? Gee, you've got me now. No, I ne- I don't oh, drink what, cocktails. Do I don't drink spirits. Um, well, well, I'm a I'm a beer man, and then with a meal, I'll have a glass of red. And and if the night extends, maybe well, I, I might have my arm yes. twisted. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I I only have one. I just go with a margarita. That that's probably my one and only cocktail. Well, that's what anything the, else is yeah, too sweet for me. That's the one that I generally have to purchase. Is the margarita? Yes. Yeah, it's not for me. 
but generally that is their go-to or who, you know. Yeah, I've got you. Are you I've with got me? You. Well, you won't have to purchase it if you come to the Steelers Club. They'd know Chris Warren and you'd drink for free, I'm sure. <laughs> 20 bucks they charge for a margarita at, at most of the pubs these days. <laughs> I mean, come on. Right, you just sit on that for three hours, love, right? <laughs> That's um, nearly half a slab. I know. Uh, just, uh, well, still just talking on Bathurst too, and uh, this text here, G'day, Chris. Uh, what time is that top 10 shootout? Uh, always a great show. Got to do all the housework first before that. Yeah, it's five past five, I think. Five past five is that top ten shootout. Uh, no name on that text by, by the way. 0457 736 736. Keep those text messages coming through. Talking to Matty Russell. Um, now, what else are we talking NBL season uh, got off last night. Um, briefly t- touch start. on that. Fantastic. Yeah, good start. The Jack Jumpers. Did you know what a Jack Jumper was? I didn't, but I found out quickly. A a jack jumper is an aggressive ant that's found in um, Tasmania. So at first I didn't like jack jumpers, but I must admit I'm warming to it. And I think it can have um, a bit of punch. I know our headline writers on Fox Sports News had some fun with it last night straight away. But the Tassie jack jumpers on debut in front of a sold out crowd. Great atmosphere in Tasmania, a National League team established there. And they beat Brisbane as underdogs. The Jack Jumpers win in overtime, no less. So giving fans great value for money, 83-74, after they were locked 63-all at the end of regulation. It was a dream debut, dream start for the league to have that sort of game, that sort of finish. And, um, you know, a bit of drama too with Brisbane's leading scorer, Nathan Sobey, ejected in overtime. And, And Will Magne, a new Jack Jumper, with a double-double. So a great start for the league. And uh, it continues tomorrow with interest in Wollongong and and Sydney. The Hawks are playing Adelaide in Adelaide. So we'll see how they go under Brian Gorge and the national coach. Tip to make the top four and maybe shoot for the championship, the Hawks. And the Sydney Kings at Kudos Bank Arena against Melbourne United, the reigning champs. New look Kings line up. Uh, Chase Buford, a 33-year-old head coach of the Sydney Kings. Interesting character. Isn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. And, um, you know, uh, has worked extensively with NBA outfits as an assistant leading their G League teams, but has operated the Coaches Challenge system for Milwaukee and done very well. So when I asked him this week about the Coaches Challenge, which is coming to the NBL this season, surprisingly, he was a little cool about it. He basically insinuated, well, I could take it or leave it. We got a couple of good calls during the playoffs and I was proud to be behind them. But overall, he doesn't want it expanded. It sounds to me as if he doesn't really think it's going to be that great an addition, but we will see. Chase Buford leading the Sydney Kings. There'll be a big crowd. You know, I was speaking to the owner and some of the media people at the Sydney Kings. They've had bigger memberships and ticket sales than at any stage in their history. Now, you think about that. They've had some glory days, the Sydney Kings, and here they are breaking all sorts of records. And I asked them why. I thought maybe just as we emerge from a couple of years of being fairly restrained in what we can and can't do, that was playing a role. Also, the growth of basketball in Australia, the bronze medal at the Olympics, the Mm. likes of um, the overseas stars, but also the fact that um, Sydney really does offer an NBA-style atmosphere. And that comes from Shane Heal, who's played in the NBA. He's looked at me and said, Matty, this is as close as you'll get to the NBA outside the NBA. I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, everything, the, the lights, the show, the entertainment and the on-court uh, product. He said the highlights, the standard of players, which is only getting better with this Next Stars program. So, you know, if you're thinking about what you might do at different stages this summer, a trip to taste the NBL at Kudos Bank Arena or here in Wollongong, I reckon you could do worse. 
Okay. And, mate, uh, we're running a little short of time, but you, you've you done your voting. This is a bugbear of mine too. I've been <laughs> fined about three times because I've missed the Saturday voting. Uh, Parramatta oh, yeah. sent me a, a – uh, Matt sent me a, uh, a text saying, wow, man, try booking online uh, to avoid the fine. I better try and do that. You've been out and about. You have been a busy boy, haven't you? I've done it, yeah, yeah. I reckon we're over-governed in Australia. This is, what, the third tier of government? You go federal, you go state, then your local mm. government elections. Interesting, interesting, you want to know what our candidates is? John Dorohy, Joe Cool, oh, famous yeah. rugby league man. The yeah, first worked man with him over at, uh, he was coaching over, at, coaching over at Western Reds when I was over there too, there JD. So we better fly. He wants to be Lord Mayor. And... Well, I hope he is. Yeah. He'd be good too. We better fly, Matty. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon, mate. I appreciate you joining us on Sports Central. Anytime, Chris. See you, mate. Take me. Beat his head up. Oh, slow off the mark this time. Now, has that crossed the line? For Tom Ahemed. He claims it has. The Wellington Phoenix break forward. I must say, I thought it was a goal. It looked like it then, didn't it? And it's Katrumbus, who's had a fantastic match, who charges upfield and puts the icing on the cake of this one. Yeah, A-League action, and uh, what are we into the, the third round this weekend? And the Wanderers uh, beating Wellington uh, down there in Wollongong 2-0 to uh, talk uh, football. It's the voice of football in this country. It's a very good afternoon to Simon Hill. How are you, Simon? Good. Yeah, Can you, you hear me? me? Yeah, I've got, I've got you. You got me? <laughs> Shall we dance? Yeah, yeah, we're all good. Good, good, good. Uh, how important was that for the Wanderers, mate, last night? they As their first win of the season, um, what did they have? Uh, a couple of um, draws, wasn't it, or to, to start the season yeah. or two home, home games. So really important win, I imagine. Yeah, look, it was. Um, the, the opening two rounds were solid without being mm. spectacular. And particularly against the Jets last weekend, I, I think there was a little bit of concern because they were, and this is their own coach's words, Carl Robinson, lethargic. Um, and to be honest, I, I don't think they were in top gear last night, but sometimes it's about getting that first win on the board, which can build a bit of confidence. Um, the the scoreline... You know, looks fairly uh, straightforward, but really that was only half the story of the game. There was a, there was a very contentious moment in the first half when uh, Wellington had a goal ruled out for offside. Not, not that the offside decision was incorrect, uh, but there was a suggestion of potentially a handball against Toma Hemet uh, of the Wanderers uh, just before uh, the Phoenix scored what was an offside goal, mm. uh, and whether he actually pushed the defender as well. So. You know, it could have been very different. Um, I, I thought Wellington were a little bit hard done by. And, you know, they were pushing for an equaliser when, uh, in, in the last few minutes, um, they sent their goalkeeper up all of the sale to try and get an equaliser from a corner. And uh, the Wanderers broke and Johnny Katrumbus sort of finished it off. But, yeah, look, it's a start for the Wanderers. Um, again, you know, I don't think the rest of the competition will be looking at that performance and going, no. oh, well, that, that's something to be feared of. But, mm. uh, you know, it, it's a start. But what it does do, it brings uh, brings to an end that, what is it, unbeaten streak for, for um, Wellington of 13, yes. 13 games. It's been some journey. Yeah, it has. And, and you know, particularly uh, journey is the right word because obviously they're not playing in New Zealand. I think they've mm. only played two home games there 
uh, over the last season and a bit because of the pandemic. And again, they've had to decamp to Wollongong uh, for the start of this season. And goodness knows, you know, how long that's going to go on for. It doesn't seem to be any any end in sight to the restrictions over in New Zealand. So they're, they're doing it tough. Um, Adolfo Tale is, is a very smart coach. Um, you know, a lot of tipsters this season, including myself, I've got them down there at the bottom, and in the opening two or three weeks, they've already made us go, oh, well, maybe that's not right. Mm. So, you know, full credit to him. Uh, they'll be back, um, and, and that long unbeaten run really was a testament to not only their coach, but, uh, mm. you know, the mentality that is instilled in his players. But uh, not quite their night last night. Big day today then, uh, three A-League fixtures. And we'll chat about the girls too briefly, if you don't mind, because it's underway too, um, yep. the women's A-League. But uh, just still with the, the boys, the fellas, uh, Brisbane Raw take on Adelaide United tonight, uh, well, this afternoon, this, well, it's not evening, is it? Five past five. That's at uh, Redcliffe, isn't it? Morton Daly Stadium. Yes. Uh, this headline here that I've done a little bit of my research, you know how well prepared I am. The Reds are flying and the Raw are flailing. <laughs> Yeah, that's not that's not a bad assessment. Um, I mean, in mitigation, you would say that Brisbane have had two away games, both in Melbourne, to start off the season. Mm-hmm. And what they've had to do, again, because of the pandemic and the restrictions, is they've had to fly in and out on the day mm-hmm. um, to avoid having to go into seven-day quarantine when they get back to Queensland. So it, it's been tough for Warren Moon. Um, you know, when, when you get enough at 4 a.m. in the morning to, mm. to get to the hotel and then to get a flight and, you know, you, you've not got a hotel when you get there at the other end. You, you're literally going straight to the ground, eating lunch, play the game, and then you're back to the airport to fly back. That's not great preparation. Um, and it's been very difficult for them. In week one, I thought they were very unlucky not to get a point against Melbourne City. Last week, they were well beaten by Melbourne Victory. No excuses. Uh, so it makes their home games very important. Um, mm. Adelaide showed great character last week, coming from 2-0 down to get a point against Melbourne City. Um, they got a point against Perth in the first round. So they're, they're probably marginal favourites. But uh, Brisbane have got to make these home games count because it looks like their away trips are going to be tough again for the foreseeable. Yeah, it's it's um, it's across all sports too, isn't it? Um, fly yeah. in, fly out, and it's something that we've had to sort of get used to and and learn on the run. And I've I found it quite interesting actually. Uh, a few of the rugby league clubs they didn't mind doing it. Funnily enough, I know it's long day, long hours, but mm. once they got into that routine, um, you know everything was was pretty much down pat. But I I take your point. It, it you, as an athlete or a player's point of view. Not that we're athletes, Simon, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> well, they... that's true, Chris. It's no. in my case, I can tell you. <laughs> no, no, but you're you're performing well in other areas, so they tell me. Melbourne City, <laughs> Melbourne City v Western United. So that one's tonight at Amy Park. Um, the reigning champs. They're coming off what that two-all draw with Adelaide. Yeah, and again, they've got a bit of a point to prove, I think, Melbourne City tonight. Uh, their first two performances have been, if the, if the games only went an hour, you'd go, well, they're going to go back-to-back, no problem. Uh, the issue has been the final half an hour in both the games that they've played. Uh, in, on both occasions, they've opened the door, uh, almost sort of taken their foot off the gas in some ways, and allowed the opposition back into it. As I say, in week one, Brisbane were very unfortunate. They had a goal ruled out by the VAR scored by Kai Truin, which looked pretty legit to me, or at least marginal. Um, so they, they got away with that one. But then last week, again, they were leading 2-1 in stoppage time. 
and just poor game management really uh, allowed Ben Halloran to score a wonderful goal. Um, uh, Melbourne City trying to play out from the back when really they should have just put the boot through it and you know settle for the two-one. So th- th- this is a, a failing that Melbourne City have uh, have had for for quite some time, and they thought they'd got rid of it last season. Well, they did. Let's be honest, mm. they won the double. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if it creeps back in again tonight. Uh, Western United are a handy opposition. They've got some very talented players, Alexander Priovic. Uh, their new import, Alessandro Diamante, is still one of the best players in the competition. Um, so they've got weapons that can that can hurt Melbourne City. So I think it's going to be a fascinating game tonight. And if City are going to emulate Brisbane and Sydney and become only the third team to go back-to-back, then uh, they've got to start putting teams away. So mm. we'll see how they go tonight. I'm talking to Simon Hill, uh, the voice of football in this country these days and, and with Channel 10 as well as the host of the global game. Uh, here on SEN as well. And uh, thanks again for Simon to uh, taking a bit of time out of his day. Keep those texts coming through 0457 736 736. And this one, Simon, um, it says here, G'day, mate. Best thing on a gloomy Sydney day will be to dampen the Sydney siders' spirits even further by coming away with a win tonight down in Wollongong. Jets will be difficult to beat. And say hello to Simon Hill for me uh, when he is on. The Global Game is a terrific show and he's a, a champion for for the, uh, the greatest game on earth. Uh, cheers. That's from Jack, up the mighty Jets. So there, he's part of your your fan club, Syme. Uh, so uh, the Sky Blues v the Jets, that one's, uh, I thought that was, I thought it was being played at Cogra, wasn't it? No? Yeah, I, I thought it was at Jubilee. So I hope Jack's not going to go down to Wollongong. Jeez. Jack, uh, yeah. Turn around. Turn around. Turn around, Jack. But um, so Sydney, like uh, the Wanderers were, Sydney are yet to chalk up a win too. Yeah, Sydney have had a, a slow start, but this has been sort of traditional for Sydney. They've always been pretty slow out the blocks, and then they finish strongly. Uh, they've got a few injuries, you know, Babo and Barbarousas haven't been available the first couple of weeks. Obviously, Luke Bratton's injury, season-ending injury, is a massive blow for them, mm. uh, and I don't quite know how they fill that gap. To be honest, um, they'll be targeting today and say, right, okay, we've had our, you know, we've had our little lead-in period. Now we've got to win this game. The problem is for them, and Jack's right, that the Jets uh, have been impressive, particularly last week. Um, they didn't win the game. Uh, they, they drew 2-2. Uh, but I, I thought that they could have easily uh, defeated the Wanderers. And uh, I like the look of some of their imports in particular. Mikel Tadza uh, looks, looks very handy. So it'll be an interesting game today at, at Jubilee Stadium. Sydney not you know, quite in the groove as yet, even though they've traditionally been uh, one of the one of the the strong forces in the A League over the last three or four seasons, um, and again, I guess if, if the Jets can pull off a win today or, or get a draw, then uh, those questions will only increase as as to whether Sydney are uh, are still good enough. Um, so yeah, really interesting contest. But Jack, don't go to Wollongong. No. No, um, I see. See, we do serve a, a community service. This this place here, we, we're telling listeners where to go and where to where where not to go. Um, the women's game is up and running too. The A League time, um, and I saw a lot a lot online about it. Um, how how strong is it going to be this season compared to previous seasons? Two games last night, so a nil all draw between the Wanderers and Wellington, and Melbourne City beat Canberra one nil. Yeah, look, I think it's uh, an interesting competition this year, obviously, because we've got a new team involved. We've we finally got uh, the A-League women's up to 10 with mm-hmm. the inclusion of Wellington. 
Uh, they'll play their home games out of Wollongong, the same as the men. Um, I think that's part of the agreement of them being in the competition. And you know, I think most people would have looked last night and thought, well, the Wanderers should be too strong because this is an entirely new squad that's only just been put together um, by Gemma Lewis, the, uh, the Wellington Phoenix coach. And I thought they, they performed really well last night. Uh, to get their first ever points. Um, it might even have been more, but in the end, they'll probably settle for a draw. Uh, overall, I think Melbourne Victory, with the defending champions, w- will be strong. Their, their starting 11 in particular looks looks very, very good. They kick things off uh, tomorrow against Adelaide. That's the, the feature game on 10 bold. I'll, I'll be calling that one mm-hmm. uh, against the Lady Reds. Sydney FC, all, always challenge. Uh, and I think Melbourne City, as you rightly said, who got off to a winning start yesterday, they had a horrible season last year by their lofty standards. Uh, they've been champions uh, three times in the past, and I think they'll be much better this time around. Um, they had, a, as I say, a horrible year last year, but uh, they made a winning start last night. Mm. Can we uh, talk just a bit, bit Premier League, uh, Simon? Um, before we even talk about the games coming up, a day or 24 hours ago. Was it a bit of a shock, Michael Carrick, sort of stepping away? Did you see that coming after after beating Arsenal too, by the way? Yeah, well, not not really a shock to be no. honest, Chris. I mean, when a, when a new manager comes in, and even though Ralph Rangnick is, is only <clears throat> interim, which, yeah. I mean, it's, that's an interesting thing in itself. Uh, so Carrick was the interim interim. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you think that new managers, they want to do things their own way, and it's probably time for a, a clean break. Uh, Carrick was assistant to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, so a lot of people, you know, certainly a lot of the fans were mm-hmm. saying, well, you, you can't stay because you were part of the problem. So yes. I think it's probably the best, best solution for all concerned. It, it's good for United to make a clean start. And for Michael Carrick, you know, if, he, if he'd have stayed there, he'd have continued to have to feel some of those questions if mm. things hadn't improved. So uh, I'm not 100% surprised. Um, it's a nice way for him to go out. And I think he leaves um, basically with 100, I think it's a 100% record, or at least some beat. That's record. a nice way to so, bow out, isn't it? Two or three games, that's not bad, is it? So when you, yeah, you look back on your stats, 100%. Hey, 100%. <laughs> That's bad. a good thing to take on your CV, isn't it, for the next job? You don't have to, you have to, you don't have to tell them how many games you oversaw. All right, yeah, um, exactly. going into uh, some big games tonight and in the early hours tomorrow, looking at the, the table, pretty congested. So just two points separate the top three. Chelsea on 33, City on 32, and, and the Reds on 31. Yeah, look, it's, I think it's between those those three, really, for the championship. Uh, and all three teams are in action tonight. Uh, Chelsea have probably got the toughest task, to be honest. They're away at West Ham, although the Hammers have dipped a, a little bit mm. over the last uh, few weeks. And Chelsea have got an injury or two. Lukaku's not been available for the last couple of matches. And uh, Ben Chilwell is out for, for quite some time. So that is, is a potential banana skin. Uh, for Chelsea, but so far they, they've dealt with everything that's come before them. Liverpool go to Wolves. Again, That's it's not easy. Wolves have had a decent start to the season. They're in eighth. Uh, and Manchester City go to Watford, which on paper is the easiest trip of the three. Uh, Watford are just three points outside the relegation zone. Um, and they're a little bit up and down under mm. their new manager, Claudio Ranieri. You would expect, really, even though all three teams are away, you'd expect them all to win. All to win. Um, but, but this is the great thing about the Premier League. You know, if you slip up, even if you draw a game, if Chelsea draw tonight, Man City win, yeah. then City replace them at the top. So it's, uh, it's, it's very congested battle, between those three. And the other couple yeah. of games, two notable mentions, Southampton-Brighton and uh, relegation dogfight, uh, Burnley-Newcastle. Is it, it's, is it too early to call that a relegation dogfight? 
Not really. No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I mean, we're, th- we're 13, 14 games in, so we, you know we're almost at the halfway point, mm. and uh, both those teams are in the bottom three. The, the Newcastle scenario is is very interesting because uh, they're yet to win this season. Eddie Howe has been installed as boss. Uh, in January, of course, when the window opens, they're going to have a bucket load of cash to spend because of the new Saudi ownership. Mm. But what sort of players are they going to be able to attract if they're cut adrift at the bottom of the Premier League? Now, they're three points behind Burnley. They lose tonight. It's, it's up to six. Um, so, it's, you know, it's, it's entering what Sir Alex Ferguson used to call squeaky bum time, even at this early stage <laughs> yes, for yes. Newcastle. They've yeah. got to start winning some games. Um, not least because, you know, those players who might be looking at them as a potential destination in January, they don't want to be playing in the championship next year. Mm. That is an English saying, if I've ever heard one, by the way, Simon Hill. Squeaky bum time. <laughs> he's Scottish. Only, Scottish. Scottish. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, he's Scottish, yeah. But it's the only time I've ever heard that was when I was living over in London. Squeaky bum time. And I was trying to you know, conjure up in my mind well, what does that really mean? I, I don't like to even like, describe. <laughs> Come on, Chris. You know what it means. When you're nervous, <laughs> yes. what happens? Yeah, well, I don't know. You were sort of twitching your seat? Yeah, okay. <laughs> mate, thanks for joining us, Sime. I appreciate your time, mate. I really do. Uh, enjoy the rest of your okay. day. I know you've got a fair bit on your plate. No worries. Thanks, Chris. Great stuff. There he is. Uh, the voice of football in this country, Simon Hill, and great to... Uh, to go to the best in the business for a wrap of the A-League and uh, look what's happening tonight in the English Premier League as well. Uh, for all of you out there, uh, the, all of you, all of you, I almost sound like uh, George Cambosis there or, or Jeff Fennick, uh, all of you out there who uh, do enjoy the round ball game. So there you go. Keep those text messages coming through. That number 0457 736 736. Uh, now, Best Aussie sporting triumph over the past 12 months. I'm going to wish a couple of uh, happy birthdays shortly too before uh, before we go to the next break. But before I do that, so I'm asking you guys, listeners, boys, girls, ladies, gentlemen, I'm going to give you five moments on my list of uh, the top five sporting moments from the past 12 months as we sort of uh, get to the back end of this, of this year. Um, a, and these are in no specific order, George Cambosis Jr., uh, him claiming the undisputed lightweight championship of the world now in boxing. Our cricketers, their World Cup victory in the T20, never been done before. Uh, Our basketballers, the men's basketball team, the Boomers, claiming bronze medal at the Tokyo Olympics, never been done before. Emma McKeon, claiming seven Olympic medals in Tokyo, four of them of the most precious variety. And Ash Barty, Ash Barty winning, uh, winning Wimbledon this year. So there's five. You might beg to differ, but of those five, let me know. What do you think is the greatest sporting moment? I've got a text here too. I don't think there is any um, – there's no name on it. Put your name on it, uh, guys, girls, on your text so I can acknowledge who they've come from. Uh, what about Dylan Orcott in last year's sports achievement? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Dylan's up there. There's a load that I've got to squeeze him into five, but Dylan, he won – I think you won all four slams and and the Olympics. That's correct, Chris. Amazing. And, you know, just um, what an ambassador for, for the sport as well. Dylan Alcott, um, one of us. Keep them coming through. 0457 736 736. Now, a few happy birthdays today. 
Okay, a few happy birthdays today. Steve Menzies, Steve Menzies, the beaver. He has his birthday today, and I won't give out the ages of these guys. Um, also in rugby league, former Balmain half, Wiz, uh, Gary Freeman. Happy birthday to you, Gary, the, uh, yeah, the great Kiwi half as well. Another New Zealander, uh, and he's had a lot of clubs, hasn't he? Petahiku. Uh, he was at Manly, he was at the Panthers, he was at the Warriors. I'm not even sure where Petter is playing in this coming season. May have gone to Super League. Uh, correct me, listeners, you will know. And uh, not sport, but Jay-Z. Yeah, rapper. His birthday today. But most importantly, from my point of view, I'd like to say a very happy birthday to my boy, Joey. Uh, today, he becomes a teenager. Uh, love you, mate. Enjoy your day, and uh, we'll catch up. 25 minutes past uh, 1 o'clock. Chris Warren with you, and uh, I'll be here until 4, a, 4 o'clock this afternoon. So uh, get involved with the show. If you want to have a chat, you can do that. We can talk all things sport. We can talk about anything, really. I don't mind what we talk about. And don't forget to go and vote. If you haven't done so already, um, you can do it online. I'm reliably informed today. Um, I think I'd be across that, wouldn't you? I have been fined not once but twice for failing to vote local council elections. My God, that's a pain in the backside, isn't it? And it's because I've been working. Uh, yeah, you try writing them a letter saying they're not couldn't, too busy. Anyway, as Paramat points out, Chris, go and do it online. I'll try and do it online today, shall I? That's probably the easiest way for me to do it. Um, yeah, anyway, um, Jaleesa Apps, uh, I'll ask her too. She's on the line now, Channel 10's Jaleesa Apps. She's out there at the mountain. She's pitched a tent out there. I don't know how long she's been out there for. Jaleesa, good afternoon. Good afternoon. You've actually just reminded me I've got a vote. I know. Isn't I, 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 just well, I, the worst? I actually did remember earlier, and then I went on the website, and the website wasn't working. It all got too hard, and then I gave up. You try telling them that. You try telling them that when yeah. they send you the fine. And I've got to be honest with you, uh, I know it's a bit apathetic, a bit lazy, but I don't really have that much interest in the local election. You know, my vote, well, I, I won't know who to vote for. It'll be a donkey. No, I know. I used to really care when I was in the country, like, because you knew everyone. Yeah. So you knew the people that you wanted to, to get in. But in Sydney, I think we don't know who these people are. Like, good luck to them. That's mm. great. But and also, the, in the country, your council, like they literally run the town. I don't know how much, how much is, does happens in the city. I don't know. No idea. You're out at Bathurst. Um, so good country girl. And that's a great country area out there at Bathurst. And it's been uh, inundated, swamped by thousands and thousands of rev heads. Uh, I didn't know you were into your, into your, your motors and your cars. You, you're a bit of a <laughs> petrol head yourself. Oh, look, I wouldn't say, um, with full disclosure, I wouldn't say it's my favourite sport. It's not something that I'm absolutely hanging out to watch every weekend. But I think everyone loves Bathurst, don't you? Like, yeah. I, I actually, I prefer the F1. Usually I'll get up and watch the F1 at all God only ungodly hours of the night. But supercars, you know, I don't mind it. I follow it. I follow the results. But I think Bathurst is just something special, isn't it? Like, when you watch Bathurst, it's one of those all-weekend sort of things. And I think everyone gets a bit into it. You sort of become one of those experts. Mm. You know, you jump on. You do. The last practice session has just finished, hasn't it? So Mostert was uh, at the top, and it's just gone off the screen there. Um, but generally, they're just sort of tweaking things, aren't they, in the last practice session? That sh top 10 shootout will be uh, this afternoon, five past five, uh, the top 10 shootout. What car are you driving? Have you got like a hotted up... Um, Holden Ute or something in the garage, or what are you, what are you driving? 
No, I drive a Camry, and apparently, nice. I mean, I've suggested to several different people up here that someone could should give a Camry a crack because they actually mm. do drive Camrys in NASCAR. But uh, no one's taking my suggestion at the moment, so that was a little bit annoying. But as you said, the um, the shootout is um, shootouts this afternoon, um, so that'll decide the grid. And um, Supercars rookie Will Brown actually yesterday claimed provisional pole, which mm. doesn't actually mean too much today, except that he'll start last in the in the shootout. But in terms of the great race tomorrow, it doesn't mean a huge amount. Um, but the big shock yesterday was Jamie Wincup. Um, he missed the shootout for the first time since 2017, and it's his last race. So mm. uh, that was really disappointing. Well, his last race is a full-time driver, but yeah. that was really disappointing that um, he he will actually start 11th in his last race. Um, so, that yeah, that was a bit of a shame. And Shane Van Gisbergen, he's already wrapped up the title. Um, he wrapped it up in Sydney a couple of weeks ago, his uh, second title. But... Uh, yeah, it should be a great, great race tomorrow. And there won't be um, rain, apparently, which was what we were all thinking all week, that it might be rain. And there's a full capacity crowd this year. There was only 4,000 last year. So how, how good is definitely that? a lot to love. How long have you been yeah. out there? Have you been out there the last few days or a week or what? And where are you staying? No, are you, are you I... pitching your tent on the mountain? Or have you got a, are you no, staying at a, no, a B&B, no, no. a pub? Do you know what? I walked around. Back of the Camry? I'm just staying in a motel, but um, I actually had a walk around the mountain and there are some really nice setups that are actually nicer than the motel I'm in. And people were so kind. They were like, oh, do you want to stay here? I was like, yeah, sure. No worries. You've got a full bed set up. Like there's proper queen beds inside these tents. I couldn't believe it. So um, definitely people like come prepared. It's my first time at Bathurst and I um, I was just shocked at how prepared like there's full like wood heaters and beds and kitchens and everyone is like going really well so i don't know if i get stuck up on the mountain i might just stay up there oh some of them have been doing it for not years but generations you know handing it down from family to family um and they they take it really seriously and they really really come prepared um, but I, I'm not sure about you, Jaleesa, just, just jumping into a tent with someone you've just met five minutes ago. You might be filing. We might be having reports on Channel 10 News uh, next week, gone missing. Jaleesa apps last <laughs> spotted, last spotted on Mount Panorama. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they'll be they'll be sending Steve Hart out here. Sort of doing crosses from <laughs> where oh, am I? Dear idea. Oh but in general, the good vibe up there. What's it like? What's it like? Um, everyone behaving themselves. Uh, given keep in mind no, they're, they're everyone... limited to one case, one slab per person. Well, yeah, but there is that old. Uh, you know, everyone apparently gets up there a few days before and buries some booze on the mountain. Mm-hmm. I don't know who does that. I don't I'm not pointing fingers, but apparently um it does happen. But no, they're all really um there's a lot of families actually, which was surprising to me is that a lot of families come up and um make a real day of it. And I just I can't believe having been the first time I've been up here, I just can't believe the access that the fans have to just the pits and being able to watch everything up close. Like they can really just walk around the garages and that kind of thing which um it, I feel like a lot of other sports could take a leaf out of the supercars book in terms of access to fans and, you know, yeah. Dick Johnson's just wandering around and taking pictures with people. And, yeah, it's really good. And everyone is being so, like, very well behaved and very welcoming, a lot of the businesses. And, yeah, it's, re- it's really great up here. It's nice after COVID too because, obviously, there's been no regional tourism. Absolutely. And you're right, the local businesses, they would just be so thankful, wouldn't they, to be um, having this uh, influx of of trade uh, for the week, but uh, they'll be doing their, their best to, to make the most of it. All righty. Um, 
now, question without notice. Um, oh, here, you, here we go. No, it's just because are you there tomorrow as well? I am. Do you reckon if I gave you a call around about similar time, we might be able to have a chat tomorrow, or is that sort of stretching our, our friendship? You can call me whenever. I you can't told say... you that. You can call me whenever. <laughs> you couldn't really say no then live. All right, beautiful. Yeah, okay, exactly. that's Jaleesa Raps for tomorrow's show because we're on from 12 to 5 tomorrow. Let's turn our attention to cricket if we can. Um, and here's a text that's just come through too uh, from Bondi Jack. Um no, oh, he's not happy, Bondi Jack. Uh, I'll just sort of try and par- oh. summarise it. Uh, Wah, that's my name, by the way, nickname, uh, Jaleesa too. Wah, sunshine Hi. all day. Yeah, thank you. For the past three days in southeast Queensland, what are the NCB, i.e. non-cricket board, and all the agile suits doing at Cricket Australia? Uh, this is scary and disgusting. They knew all last week that Brisbane would be washed out. Could no dexterous Cricket Australia's soul think to have a reserve pitch uh, prepped at, say, Toowoomba? Given the bubble ended Tuesday, clearly initiative and greyhound bus aren't priority words at CA. Our 25 best deprived of shield cricket, of any cricket, while the Poms play a two-day game. Uh, Bondi Jack. Well, it hasn't been ideal, um, I guess, for both parties, but maybe he's got a point there. Maybe we, we could have shown a little bit more foresight um, with the preparation. because I a lot... think it hasn't been ideal, but, mm. geez, we've had, like, they've had so much to overcome in COVID and yeah. everything like that. I think it's a miracle we've got any sport going on at the moment, to be honest. So mm. I see his point, and it's frustrating, but, geez, they've had a lot to contend with. Even getting, you know, England over here has been harsh and hard. So probably it was low on the priority list. I saw Jeff Thompson, uh, one of our yeah, uh, best, best quicks of yesteryear, um, and I sort of just skimmed over the article I read it this morning, sort of saying that, you know, he doesn't think that, you know, the likes of maybe a Mitchell Stark should have gone to the uh, T20 Cricket World Cup. We, all of our, our three main quicks were all over there at the T20 World Cup. And yes, we won it. But uh, by doing that, it has, uh, I guess, deprived them of some red ball cricket. So we're going in pretty underdone, aren't we, to the first Ashes test in terms of red ball stuff? Yeah, look, I probably don't agree with that. Like, it's the scheduling's unfortunate, and unfortunately, um, you just had to pick. uh, You just had to squeeze both of them in. But um, I think in twenty years' time, if we hadn't won a um, T Twenty World Cup, that would have been a real blight on us. And um, when we had the opportunity to win it this time, I don't think holding all your players back. And it's just unfortunate scheduling and it comes down partially, well, it comes down to COVID mm. because it had to be moved around and pushed back and um, and all the quarantine requirements and things like that. So, yeah, it's not ideal, but it's probably more, more not ideal for the batsmen, I would think, facing a red ball than the bowlers. I mean, our bowlers are in particularly the likes of Josh Hazelwood are in really good form. They can, they'll keep bowling in good form, whether no matter what they're holding. So mm. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that, um, that they should have been held back. I think it's just unfortunate the way that it's worked out. Yeah. Well, you know, okay. Yeah. They all went and uh, we came back with a trophy. So, you know, I think that sort of justifies the selections there. Stark, it appears he has got the nod and I don't know if this was a storm in a teacup. Um, was Jai Richardson really that close to being selected, but it looks like Stark will go, uh, will be there. And uh, also Travis Head, we believe if uh, all the reports are true, he gets the nod over Usman Khawaja at five. 
Yeah, so um, Jai Richardson, he's been really good in the in Sheffield Shield form. He's taken 23 wickets in um, four games. So he, uh, certainly he had a case to stake for um, being in for Stark. But it sounds like the selectors have gone um, with Stark. And, uh, I mean, he would be pretty harsh on Stark um, in terms of... Um, you know, he didn't perform great. He he conceded 60 runs off four overs um, in Australia's T12, uh, T20 World Cup final. But bowl, before those that match, he was bowling pretty well. And that is stark for you. Sometimes he'll just be expensive in one session and it's very expensive. And other times he's brilliant. And we have him there to clean up the tail and, and that kind of thing. I think it's good that they stuck with him. He's Figures weren't great last summer, but the other thing that everyone needs to remember too is last summer he was under incredible pressure. With his his father was dying of cancer, mm. it was horrible. It was a horrible time for him, um, and there was all that outside pressure going on too. So I'm happy that they've stuck with him. And also leading into Adelaide the day night, you want to have him there for the day night test as well. So mm. um, that's the second test. I think you'd want him bowling in the first one. Mm. All right, mate. You um, so tell me your setup then. So you're staying in a little motel. Um, wouldn't you have had to have yep. booked that like well in advance? I imagine everything's sort of. Oh yeah, we book a month booked. in advance. Yeah, we yeah, know yeah. we're we're coming. Yeah. So you jump from the as... motel room. Oh, you know the good thing about mm-hmm. the motel. So do they still do you know um, your breakfast order for the next morning, and you put it out on the uh, the, the front door of your motel on the doorknob, and you order your your cornflakes and your juice I and your toast. I've been doing that. I've I've yeah. been hitting the local cafes. So I've just been trying one cafe a day well, you, for breakfast. They've yeah. all been excellent so far. Nice. Well, that's the um, big and then budget. one pub a day for a schnitzel. A schnitty, a pub schnitty. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, it's been good. <laughs> yeah. How do you do it? Now, listen, uh, <laughs> so then do you get in the Camry and uh, drive up to the mountain? Is there parking up there or, or, or what happens? How do you get up there? Uber? Yeah, yeah. There's There's... Parking up there? No, no. I'm he- oh, well, I head up with the cameraman usually, so yeah. um, he's got a bit of a bit more gear in the car than I do. So we head up there, and um, we're just basically at the moment because um, the race will still be going. I'll just be doing live crosses for ten. So I've really got a very easy day, and we're actually locked out today because we're not the host broadcasters this this um, this no. time. We are locked out today and tomorrow, which means we can't actually film today. So we should get to enjoy our day until well, we've you got might to be do having... a three-minute live cross. Yeah, and you might be having more than a schnitty or two. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Maybe uh, afterwards. All right. Well, and thanks for joining us, Jaleesa. Enjoy your, your weekend up there, and we, we might chat tomorrow if that's all right with you. Pleasure. I will talk to you then. Super duper. There she is, uh, Jaleesa Apps, across all things sport and uh, motorsport as well. I look forward to uh, chatting to her again uh, around about the same time tomorrow. This is uh, Sport Central now. Yes, it is, and don't be afraid to get involved uh, with the program if you want to have a chat. Uh, there's uh, generally we can we can make room on the open line for you um, if we want to. Yeah, that's an executive decision we'll make here. Um, but if you want to have a, have a chat, one three hundred oh one. 1170. Uh, you might like to talk motorsport. Is it a tradition? Is it something you do every year? Is it something you really look forward to? Bathurst. Uh, and this, well, this is the first time, isn't it? We've had Bathurst twice in the one year because they opened the season, didn't they? Uh, at Bathurst, I think I'm right in saying 500 Ks, wasn't it? So, uh, but is this one, is it one of those sporting uh, events that you sort of, you chalk it down in your diary and really look forward to it? And by that, I mean, you know, like Melbourne Cup Day, maybe like, uh, AFL or NRL Grand Final Day, you might uh, have some sort of tradition 
you know, or the Boxing Day test where you've done something and you do it every year and you look forward to it. You might have a barbecue or mates come round or you might go somewhere. Um, let me know how you are watching Bathurst. If it's a big part of, of your um, your life in sport, and not just life, I mean your social life, isn't it? It can be a, a real good afternoon. Uh, it's a long day, but uh, pace yourself. Make sure you pace yourself. As I told uh, uh, one of my mate's sons who uh, headed off today for his first school this weekend, he's headed off to uh, Byron Bay. I said to him, pace yourself. Make sure you're patient. You don't get too hard on a school this week. Uh, because it could be all over after a few days. So the same thing goes for, for a big race event like Bathurst. I encourage you all to enjoy your day tomorrow. Just pace yourself. Now, uh, I'm asking uh, our listeners, uh, the five best Aussie sporting triumphs over the past 12 months, I've narrowed it down to five. Uh, looking for your input, guys, girls, let me know which one you think should be the number one Aussie sporting triumph from the past 12 months. First up, we talked boxing, and it was only, what, last weekend, wasn't it? Uh, George Cambosis Jr. He became the undisputed lightweight world champion. George Cambosis just fought the fight of his life. What a battle! Has the takeover been overtaken? And Glenn Feldman scored this contest 115 to 112. For your winner, by split decision, he's still undefeated. And the new, new IBF, WBO, WBA, WBC franchise, and Ring Magazine lightweight champion of the world, George Ferocious Cambosa. Yeah, and let's hope we see uh, George before a packed stadium here in his, his hometown, um, not before too long. That was A. Now, B, our cricketers. Uh, some people said, or many were saying, if we made the semifinals at the T20 World Cup, we would be just making up the numbers. Well, we did a whole lot more than that. Maxwell looks to finish it, and he might have done it as well. Five times 50 over men's World Cup champions, a team that can never, ever be written off and they've finally got their hands on a men's t20 world cup trophy and it is richly deserved and to basketball and the tokyo olympics and the mastery of uh, paddy mills okay he is now the don taking out the don award we know that over the past uh, couple of days um, but he was just so instrumental the boomers getting their first olympic medal a bronze medal in tokyo the Boomers have claimed the bronze medal as they defeat Slovenia here by 14 points. And if you don't think a bronze medal means a lot, look at the faces of this team. And coming at D again, uh, we go to the Tokyo Olympics. And Emma McKeon, she makes Olympic history. The 27-year-old then claiming seven medals, four gold, three bronze in Tokyo to take her total Olympic tally to 11. 
Four by one equals three in a row for the Australians. A world record. They defend their title and the best of this generation. Emma McKeon, the favourite, is spearheading this and it's going to be gold for McKeon. She breaks 52 seconds for the first time and claims the Olympic Games gold medal in the 100 metres freestyle. Not much between them. They hit it. Yes. Gold for Australia. What a swim. Olympic record. She's in front. She's going to do it. Out of the shadows and into the spotlight. The first Australian to win 10 Olympic medals. Emma McKeon in a lane of her own. And finally, our top five sporting triumphs from an Aussie perspective. And I'd like you guys to let me know which one should be voted number one. Finally, we go to tennis. And, uh, well, the stars aligned, didn't they, uh, for Ash Barty. On the 50th anniversary of Yvonne Gulligan Cawley's first Wimbledon win, Ash Barty claimed her first Wimbledon title. And, uh, well... She won her second. The last time, in fact, an Aussie woman took out the title was over 40 years ago when Gulligan Cawley won her second title in 1980. A dream comes true. Australia's Ash Barty is Wimbledon champion. Tears of joy for Ash Barty, and I don't know about you at home, but I've got tears in my eyes. This is one of those iconic sporting moments in Australian history. And she's off to make that run that Pat Cash so famously did for the first time, and another Aussie gets the opportunity. Ash Barty, you are a champion. We are so proud of you. Champion indeed, Ash Barty. So she's got the French. Uh, now she's got Wimbledon. And wouldn't it be lovely, hey? Wouldn't it be just remarkable if she was to uh, to win the Oz Open too? Uh, we might talk a bit of tennis uh, later on tomorrow. We might talk a bit of tennis. Might get BP on the line as well. Uh, Andrew Webster, we'll talk to him. I got my times mixed up. We'll talk to him uh, in the next hour, though, at about probably, oh, I don't know, 20 to 3. Uh, we'll talk uh, all sport with Andrew Webster. And also we'll talk about uh, his latest book, uh, we'll take a quick break and back with more of Sports Central. Yes, it is Sports Central right on two o'clock. Chris Warren with you and uh, I'll be here in the chair for the next couple of hours talking all sport and other things in between as well. If you'd like to join the conversation, here's an open invitation to pick up the phone and, and give me a call. Uh, we can talk about anything. Cricket, rugby league, uh, motorsport, Bathurst. We can even talk basketball, which is not my go-to sport. I enjoy it, but I was rubbish, rubbish as a kid at school playing basketball. Just couldn't get it. I don't know what it was. I maybe didn't have the, the hand-eye coordination, um, double dribbling too much and all that sort of stuff. But so I gave it away, gave it a wide berth and and poured all my energy into uh, my true love, which was, was rugby league. But obviously um, across pretty much all sports, let's talk a bit of basketball now. And the new season is uh, up and running. I'm talking of NBL. We're talking NBA later on too. No looksy Brooks. He's out and about somewhere, probably um, probably halfway through a, a six um, 
six course lunch somewhere, Brooksy. We'll we'll talk to him later. But the new season is uh, up and running, and the Tasmania Jack Jumpers off to a winning start in their maiden season, beating Brisbane Bullets 83-74. That one was in Hobart. And the Perth Wildcats, uh, they beat Adelaide 36ers 85-73. The Sydney Kings, all right, our team here in the Harbour City, uh, they get their season started tomorrow uh, when they host uh, Melbourne United. So there should be a very big crowd there, uh, around about 10,000 expected for the game. Uh, it's a double-header too with the Sydney Flames, uh, at Kudos Bank Arena. Tip-off, half past 12 for the Flames v. the UC Capitals and the Kings. Uh, the tough way to start the season for them up against the reigning champions, Melbourne United. Joining us on the line now, very good afternoon to the Chief Executive of the Kings, Chris Pongrass. Chris, thanks for joining us, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me on. So is everything done? Is it all done? You ready? <laughs> you ready for game one? There's a lot of uh, lot of things. It's been quite a chaotic week. Um, it always is. You can plan for months and months, but the week of game one, there's always fires that pop up. So mm. we're ready. We're excited. It's been far too long um, since we've been graced with some live basketball. So I'm excited to see our guys get out on the floor and um, and playing our first game as a doubleheader and having the women out there as well. It's going to be a fantastic start to the year. We'll talk about you know, the team and the coach and that set up in, in a moment. But from your point of view, Chris, um, more, I guess, from, oh, I don't know, operational or a logistic and, and commercial angle uh, for, for our listeners, take us through sort of in a nutshell, you know, the last couple of weeks leading into your, your first home game, if you like, because I know having worked in, in sporting clubs for, for many years, just how much work goes on behind the scenes and so much of it as well as you may think you have planned so much of it isn't it is shoehorned into the last week or so it is you know a lot of that ties into game day and having everything set up um performers and game day staff and volunteers and you know putting the product on the floor there's a lot of things that go on in the background that when fans show up we want to be seamless we want them to see that um, everything's running smooth. It's a fantastic game day family experience. But in the background, mm. you know, we're trying to make sure that all the fires are put out well in advance. And, you know, it's also reminding people we've, you know, people have, have been starved of live events and live sport for so long. We're just trying to remind them that we're on. You know, this is, this is one of the first live sporting events um, that people have been able to attend in full capacity, 100%. You know, where where there's all the precautions that the venue are taking, and they're great. Um, you know, in supporting us in that. But this is this is one of the first live events, so it's reminding people that we're on and um, being able to start the way we have um, in pre-season. There's a couple of disruptions, and we're just excited that the season's get a gun underway and and we can get the ball moving. About ten thousand. That's what's expected uh, tomorrow for for that uh, opener against United. How many does it take? Kudos. Eighteen thousand. Mm-hmm. It can take. So we currently hold the the NBL record two seasons ago when we right. played the Illawarra Hawks it was just over two seasons ago. Uh, just over two years ago, we had seventeen and a half thousand in the building. So we're expecting ten tomorrow. Um, which is a great start considering where, where we've been the last couple of months. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to, to get underway. And we've got a lot of – we've got five games before Boxing Day. 
you know, wow. we've got the 5th, the 11th, 18th, 22nd, 26th. And so mm. Hoops fans in, in the Hoops capital are really going to get their, um, you know, a lot of basketball stuff down their throats. So I hope everyone's uh, as excited as we are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll be right across it, mate. You know, we're, we're here to support um, you guys as well. So I'm um, no doubt we'll be talking again. This is the first of, of six doubleheaders, right, with the Flames? Correct. Correct. And, um, and there's four of them where the Kings are playing second and two of them where the Kings are actually the, the curtain raisers for the Flames, which is going to be the first time in, in WNBL and NBL history. So we're excited about being able to highlight and put, put the Flames and, and WNBL on the stage that they should be on um, and get a lot of our fans that, are, you know, again, have not been able to see a Flames game, um, you know, be able to experience that and, and drive... Uh, participation in, in women's sport and interest in in the female game, and particularly with the Women's World Cup coming up in in um, you know under 12 months' time, I think it's an interesting um, spot that we can really help elevate the game. We've got you know Shane Heal, Kings legend. There's a lot of ties back in into the men's team. They're a quick, young, athletic team that is going to be an exciting product on the floor for everyone to get around. So, mm. no, it's, it'll, you know, tomorrow's just the start of it, but six, six doubleheaders are planned for the year. So, it's been a lot of change, hasn't there? I guess in the off-season, a few departures, notably Casper Ware, Brad Newley, um, Daniel Kickett as well, but you've got new players coming in, uh, maybe quite a young bench, uh, but a new coach as well. New coach, new yeah. There's a lot of uh, you know both teams with new coaches, but mm. it's been off. Everyone always thinks that in in pro sport, the off season, everyone just kind of goes on holidays and relaxes, and you have got a couple of months. But this is when yeah. that's when things start to to move, right? So we got we're lucky enough to have seven returning players, which in any seasons, um, very promising that there's that consistency year on year. You know, um, Kevin Lish is returning assistant coach. We've got Daniel Kickett, who's been with the club for a number of years, who's on our coaching staff. Mm. Um, Fleur um, and and obviously Chase coming on board as our, as our new head coach. And his experience in the NBA is something um, that we know a lot of the same people. And, and, you know, speaking to him through the interview process, it was just, it was clear to us that this is the direction we want to go. We want to have someone who was a basketball junkie who was, great basketball intelligence and, and understood the game and has been around the game his entire life, Ex, you know, played through college and mm. has coached and, and, you know, learned from some of the best coaches um, and executives um, in this, in this game. So, uh, you know, he, what he's been able to do in the last couple of months since getting out here, um, we're lucky enough to have him for on the long-term contract. So this is just going to be another building year that, that we're looking to implement you know, a couple-year plan and a lot of the players are involved in that same vision. So, mm. yes, a lot of departing players at the same time. Um, and one of them in, in Brad Newell is obviously making his, his yes. first uh, appearance with Melbourne United back in Sydney tomorrow. So excited to see him and welcome him back. And, and I know King Sander, he's a big fan favourite. So um, we're just happy that he... Um, that he's uh, continuing to show out and hopefully not too well tomorrow against us because we want to take down the W. And another you know, a big star attraction with star quality um, in the league now, Matthew Della Vadova. Um, that's got to be good for the NBL. It is. You know, it, years we've been talking about how this league is, is taking players from the NBA and, and also propping them up to, to reach the NBA with success of 
recent years of Lamella Ball and Josh Giddy and Jay Sean Tate, obviously, who was with us two seasons ago. He put up 32, 10 and 7 the other day with Houston. And so to have Delhi come back here um, as the first stop out of the NBA and, and arguably people or people still think that he's he's an NBA caliber player. So it's it's a testament to this league and the growth that this league's um, uh, had over the last couple of seasons. But mm. yeah, I think Hoops fans, particularly NBA fans, are going to want out want to get out and see him tomorrow. And again, uh, we think that we've put a good enough squad together that we're going to be able to take them down tomorrow. Mm. I mean, you've got your own sort of in, you know, big names, a household name, Della Vadova, obviously, but you, you've brought in a few uh, imports yourself, haven't you? Who's, I guess, most impressed um, of, of the new faces in, in the team? Most impressed. I mean, lucky enough, when, when we were recruiting Chase, he was able to bring a couple of players with him. Mm. So, you know, our, we've got a number of star imports. Our three imports this year all have had significant time and experience in the NBA. So Jalen Adams played with Atlanta, played with Milwaukee, um, and that's how he and Chase obviously have crafted a relationship when Chase coached him in Wisconsin a couple of years. So we, you know, we wouldn't have been able to recruit him any other way than than having Chase and that relationship that they've built and him being trusting in, in Chase's the way Chase likes to play and, and how he likes to utilize him as a player. And we're, we're hoping to be able to get him back to the NBA. Um, the other one is, is RJ Hunter again, was uh, drafted a couple of years ago in the NBA, played four years for, for, for different teams. And, you know, funny enough, Chase had a relationship with him when he was playing in Chicago. So uh, the third being Jarrell Martin, who I actually have a relationship with from my time in Memphis. And we drafted yeah. him in 2015 he was with us last year, battled some injuries throughout the year, but I think he's probably been one that's been most impressive this this preseason. Just the way he's come in and um, he's he's kind of come out of his shell, um, and I think he's really going to prove why he's one of the elite imports, if not one of the most elite players in this league. Um, so I think it's going to be a great great year for him. But then a lot of local talent that we've been able to get bring on board. You know, Sydney local in. In Bawali Bales, a, a young indigenous man who played a year in college in Hawaii. Um, there's a lot of a lot of locals that are excited to come watch and, and see him out on the court tomorrow. And and Angus Glover and Xavier Cooks, I think, of two that are, that really impressed us over over the preseason. You talk. I'm uh, talking to uh, Chris Pongras, the uh, chief exec of the Sydney Kings. They commence their new NBL season tomorrow. Bumper crowd expected out there at Kudos Bank Arena, but there are still tickets, obviously available uh, for sale. Double header too with the Flames in action, and the Kings are taking on the reigning champs, Melbourne United. Um, you talked about the the record crowd that you set. Um, it was a couple of years ago. Illawarra Hawks were involved in that one. So you take on those guys. That's next week, isn't it? The big freeway series. The freeway series, 11th of December. So if everyone if everyone thinks this Sunday is going to be exciting, you better believe that the local rivalry in six days time, in seven days time from today, is going to be just as big. Well, um, as I say, tickets are selling well, aren't they? For um, tomorrow. Um, You've got some big names in there. You've got a big bumper schedule too. Uh, the Christmas week game uh, against the uh, the Tassie Jack Jumpers. Um, what do you think about the name, by the way, the Jack Jumpers? You like? <laughs> uh, I, I Come think on, be honest with me. Yes, time, it, it's gro- it's grown on me. Mm. Um, you know, one of one of our um, 
one of the fan favourites down in Illawarra, who's now a member of the Kings, uh, Julian O'Brien, was actually a, a favourite of the Trident. But I think the Jack, the Jack Jumpers, while it, it didn't resonate initially with me, it's grown on me. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it was great to see last night, 4,500 people yeah. in the sellout uh, arena down there. And, and for them to have basketball back in their state, it's, it's fantastic for them. So yeah. they got the W last night and uh, they looked tough. So... Um, it, it, it'll be um, it'll be a hard fought game. I know on the twenty second, no one's everyone in this league. You can't you can't come into any team unprepared. And so then you know we've we've got Melbourne United back again on the twenty sixth. But I think for us, you know, we're trying to look one game at a time. And mm. um, obviously Melbourne tomorrow, but Illawarra next week. They're the two we want to take down. Some of the hardest, um, you know, and highest mm. placed teams in this league. And I think if we can if we can retain home court and make our venue, a fortress where players and teams don't want to come playing here. That's that's the intent. So that's our focus: is is winning tomorrow and winning the next game. But you better believe that everyone circled the 11th of uh, of December and and Illawarra and want to take that one. Well, mate, you've got a very busy few weeks coming up, so uh, I won't take up too much of your time. I appreciate you taking time out to have a chat with us, mate. I really do. Um, the Jack Jumpers, well, they'll, they'll be called the Jacks, won't they? Or the, the Jumps, the Jumpers. The JJs. The JJs. The there JJs. you go. There you go. All right. All right. Good luck tomorrow, mate. Good luck tomorrow. Let's hope that the, the Sydney Kings can, very much, can tip mate. off the new season uh, with a win against Melbourne United. Um, and you can get your tickets. There are some still for sale, but a big, big crowd expected there. There he is, the Chief Executive of the Sydney Kings, Chris Pongrass, joining us here on Sports Central, taking your calls, taking your texts as well. If you do want to join the conversation, uh, you might want to talk a bit of basketball or you might want to talk about uh, about Bathurst. We've had the final practice session and uh, the all-important top 10 shootout. Uh, is just after five. We'll be off air. But before we go, because I'll be here until four, uh, Matt McKeldin too, we're going to have a chat to him. He raced out there this morning and he is the host of uh, The Driver's Seat. As I've said, Andrew Webster, uh, we'll talk about his new book, but also um, you'll see if you've read the paper today, the Sydney Morning Herald, there's an article in there uh, basically about uh, from Webby uh, saying Melbourne Storm uh, were trying to offer uh, Brandon Smith to West Tigers. Yeah, it's been quite a week for Brandon Smith and Melbourne Storm, apparently, according to Webby, uh, were pretty keen or at least exploring the opportunity to uh, to offload the cheese, the hectic cheese. And you read another newspaper, so uh, a rival publication, The Telegraph. Um, it's got uh, its headlines were along another route saying that there were uh, four gl- clubs um, desperate, desperately inquiring to get the hectic cheese. So we'll talk to Webby um, a little bit later on. Also coming up uh, this hour, we're going to talk to uh, Brett Kamali. Yeah, Noddy's going to jump on the line too a little bit later on in the show. He's um, he's busy today. I tell you what, Noddy, he's obviously he's taken up his new role there at West Tigers. Um, I guess not in charge of development, but a pretty senior role there. Uh, we'll see how he's settling in and what he thinks of the acquisition of Appy Coruscant. From 2023 and onwards, and Panthers fans love to hear from you guys as well. Um, if you want to send me a text, how are you feeling, Panthers fans? I mean, it's just called the salary cap squeeze, isn't it? When you win a premiership, prices automatically go up. Not to mention the uh, the extra demand with a new club coming in in 2023. But you have lost a, a few players already. Uh, yeah, Naden Burton, we knew they were already gone. Others kick out for 2023. 
um, and Apicorosau too. So it's starting to sort of not fall apart, but uh, I'm not saying crumbling, but your premiership team uh, won't be looking the same, will it? Certainly in a couple of years' time, it may well look very different. And luckily for for Panthers, given their uh, strength in junior development, I'm sure it still will be very, very strong, albeit different from the premiership side that won this year. Stick around. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That's the open line number. I'll be taking your calls uh, after this break if you want to have a chat or keep those texts coming through. We'll get through as many as we can. 0457 736 736. 21 minutes past uh, 2 o'clock. Chris Warren with you for the next uh, hour and a half or a little bit more than that. Still loads to uh, to come. Uh, Brett Noddy Kamali, we'll be talking to him this hour. Andrew Webster as well from the Sydney Morning Herald, who's uh, recently published his latest book. Uh, look forward to uh, chatting to uh, to Webby. Um, now, motorsport, obviously, uh, Bathurst, it's it's a big, big weekend. It's a huge weekend. It's it's iconic weekend, really, isn't it? And you talk about the Melbourne Cup as being the race that stops the nation. Well, I would say um, that this race on Mount Panorama, it probably has well, just as much interest, doesn't it? Maybe even more. Um, we are a, a nation of sort of gamblers too. I mean, we love our horses, don't we? It's one of our you know, one of our favourite pastimes. But uh, we seem to love our cars as well. And, and years gone by, I mean, I grew up in the, the 70s and 80s. I was only a youngster, but it was always, you know, your families and your your uncles and aunties and, and you'd always have big events around uh, the Bathurst 1000 and it has continued it's it's tradition it, it really is a race that does stop the nation um, and great to see uh, pretty much back at full capacity isn't it out there thousands of people on the hill there at Mount Panorama and they are making the most of it we heard from Jaleesa Apps talking earlier on she's out there she's amongst it <laughs> she was saying how how well equipped um, some of the uh, some of the groups and families and groups of friends are out there, but a lot of them have been doing it for years on end, and you sort of you do it so many times it would be almost you could do it blindfolded. They are really well prepared uh, with all that they need to get them through the weekend. I, I've never done it, never done it live. I've driven around, I've driven around Bathurst, Mount Panorama. I remember, I tell you what, I remember, and I was probably only a ten year old maybe a little bit older. I remember my dad driving around and back in the day, so this was, oh, I don't know, let's say, let's say 1980, give or take. Uh, my dad was given uh, to drive because I don't think he bought it. He'd never used to buy cars. He was always given cars to drive from various dealerships and that still happens today, actually. Um, it was an RX-7 we were given, a white RX-7 from I don't know whoever it was we employed with at the time. And uh, it was in the days of Moffat. And I remember going around, I'm sure it was around Mount, Mount Panorama, in my dad's RX-7. My God, they were a tiny car. And I thought we were flying, but we probably weren't going that fast at all at the time. Uh, but it's been a, an iconic event, hasn't it, for years and years and years. Uh, let me know. Let me know if Bathurst is one of those events that means a whole lot to you. I know uh, plenty of our listeners will be uh, looking forward to uh, tomorrow. Now, I was looking forward to chatting to uh, Matt McKeldon, who uh, heads up the driver's seat here. Um, and they've had their last uh, show for the year, I'm pretty sure, on SEN uh, for this year anyway, Matt. Uh, Matt's had a stack, unfortunately. This morning, he was in the, the Trans Am support category. He raced, I think it was about 9 o'clock this morning. Um but he's come a crop up. Now, I didn't watch the race. He's just sent me a text saying, mate, I'm, I'm in hospital. I can't do it. Uh, 
Um, I think he's got a busted collarbone and a, and a couple of other problems. He's okay, but we won't be hearing from um, Matt McKeldon. So he's in hospital, badly dislocated shoulder. Gee, they hurt too. So, mate, get well. Fingers crossed. Look after your own health, Matty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it didn't turn out the way you had hoped uh, there for you in that, that Trans Am. But um, he loves his motorsport. And, and, again, thanks to Matt. He's he's joined us a few times in the past couple of weeks to talk all things motorsport. So, with Bathurst 1000, uh, we know that uh, Will Brown has uh, clocked the quickest lap of the weekend uh, provisional poll. So, he will head out last in the... Um, the top 10 shootout, just a shade after five. That begins uh, this afternoon. The top 10 uh, shootout. Jamie Winkup, you'll know also, he qualified 11th. So uh, just missed out. He won't feature in the top 10 shootout. What I wanted to know from someone who really knew their motorsport, and you guys might know at home listening too, uh, send me a text or jump on the line. How important is it uh, to make it into the top 10 shootout given you know it's a 1,000K race? It's 161 laps. Um, does it really matter that much if, you, if you're if starting from a little bit back in the pack, like Jamie Winkup uh, will be doing, and Craig Lowndes as well? Let me know. I mean, any of you real motorsport fans, let me know. How important is it, your place on the grid? Uh, so tomorrow then, uh, quarter past nine will be uh, the warm-up, and then vroom, 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 quarter past 12. Uh, the Bathurst 1000 will commence. Race 31, the final race uh, of the Supercars Championship, which has already been uh, wrapped up, as we know, Shane Van Gisbergen. And he'll be driving with Garth Tander, and they are the favourites uh, to go back to back. Now, rugby league-wise, I was saying uh, I wanted to have a, a chat about... Um, what's happening with South Sydney and, and Anthony Milford. And I'll go through this article now. It's written by Paul Kent. Good article, Daily Telegraph. And most of us would probably say immediately looking at this, oh, Anthony Milford, he's on charges, serious, serious charges. You know, don't start weeping for him. But when you read this article, and as Paul Kent points out, there's more to it. There's a whole lot more to it. Um, he probably... He probably should be getting paid. We've had the likes of Jack DeBellin, who was a no-fault stand-down for a couple of years, and all the while Jack was getting paid until he had his final day in court. But Anthony Milford, and you've got to assume innocence before proving proven guilty, um, he really should be getting paid. Why isn't a club owned by billionaires paying Milford's unregistered contract is the, the subheading. South Sydney is known as the pride of the league, but acting on a technicality is nothing short of shameful. And Paul goes on to write this. It's hard to believe South Sydney, jointly owned by two billionaires and an actor, is so cheap the club refuses to pay Anthony Milford his wage while he lives in Sydney and trains alone. Milford is caught in his very own catch-22. His contract won't be registered because he faces assault charges. And the NRL has a strict no-fault stand-down policy. Yet Milford cannot be subject to the NRL's no-fault stand-down policy because he does not have a registered contract. So he finds himself in no-man's land, caught up in the kind of bureaucratic absurdity that allows South Sydney to not pay him with a bizarre sense of self-justification. 
Milford signed a contract with South Sydney in July and for all um, intents, thought he was heading to the Rabbitohs once his contract began on November 1. The Rabbitohs even paid for his flight to Sydney and reimbursed him his moving costs. They paid for his accommodation temporarily and a rental car. They paid for a personal trainer to help him get a jump start on conditioning. To many, this would suggest Milford has a contract with the club. But halfway through November, Milford discovered by complete accident his contract was not registered at all and that he was effectively unsigned. He would have found out soon enough he was due to be paid that month. It seems a simple mistake, but the Rabbitohs have used uh, to their advantage. It seems that a couple of weeks after he signed his contract in July, the NRL sent it back to the Rabbitohs in mid-August, telling them there was a technicality. The NRL told the Rabbitohs the statutory declaration was not correctly witnessed. Milford does not know whether this error was on his part or on the part of South Sydney. He was not told. If the error was his, then Souths should have told him and corrected it. If the error was on their part, they should have fixed it and returned the contract to the NRL. Whatever the error was, though, South Sydney failed to fix it in August and failed to fix it in all of September and all of October. Milford is still trying to find out who made the mistake on his contract. He signed the contract during the COVID lockdown, the protocols of which meant he was allowed to have only one person from outside the bubble with him. That person was his manager, Sam Ayoub, who had to be there to co-sign the contract. Uh, and this meant the witness had to oversee the signatures by video conference. Milford was assured beforehand this was completely legal. And it goes on. But there you go, see? The contract wasn't signed, and I'm not quite sure who's at fault, but poor old Anthony Milford. And I'm, again, keeping the court case and the charges to one side. I've got no, I do not want to talk about that at all. But you can, I guess, feel sorry for Anthony Milford in that he's not getting paid. And he believes he's a contracted player. 25 minutes to 3 o'clock, here till 4 o'clock. Chris Warren with you for the next hour and a half or so. Uh, interactive program too, by the way. If you want to pick up the phone and have a chat, do just that. one three hundred oh one. 1170 is the number, and uh, keep those texts coming through. 0457 736 736. There's a new book on the shelves, ladies and gentlemen, and you'll find it at all good bookstores. It's called If These Walls Could Talk by Andrew Webster. Andrew Webster joins us on the line. Webbo, Webby, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> G'day, Chris. It's usually your father who calls me Webbo. I know. I was just <laughs> going to point that out. Uh, Webby, yeah. but uh, uh, my father is Rabs for those that don't you know. know. I, I, I've been called worse. I've been called worse. <laughs> Webbo. So Webbo, uh, Webbo uh, penned uh, uh, Rabs's book, didn't you? The Voice, uh, which was released, I don't know couple of years, a few years ago now. I might talk Ooh. about that at some point too, what he's like to work with. Um <laughs> perhaps. And we'll talk what about version of that what version of what version of that story would you like? Uncensored. Uncensored. We've got uh, <laughs> no, no, I want, I want truth, nothing but the truth. And we'll talk about your book in a moment about the SCG and, and uh, some wonderful well not so much wonderful but some memorable moments out, out there. Before we get to that, Webby, uh, or Webbo, let's uh, I'm reading in the um your paper today, City Morning Herald, um and it's all about the hectic cheese, and we know what he's done over the past week or so. It's It's been here, there, and everywhere, those headlines. But I'm reading uh, your article. Um, West Tigers, so they've rejected an approach, as I understand it from, from reading it, by Melbourne Storm, 
uh, to offload Brandon Smith in, in a swap deal. Tell me more. Uh, yeah, that's that's correct. So the Storm aren't particularly happy with the story and, and deny that it's the case. But I'm mm. very confident in the source of the West Tigers that I confirmed the story with yesterday morning. Um, so at the start of the week, after Brandon Smith signed with the Roosters and the manner in which he did so, and then the infamous, mm. you know, the rules podcast that he that he did, where he was seen to be uh, making disparaging remarks about remarks about the culture at the Melbourne Storm. He came out and he apologised. The Storm put out a press release and said they were holding on to Brandon Smith for 2022. Now there was a bit of mail around yesterday morning that the Storm were shopping Brandon Smith to clubs for. 2022 to get rid of get him off the books straight away. Mm. Um, Melbourne deny that, but I do have did have confirmation from the Tigers uh, that they were um, they were approached by the Melbourne Storm for a swap with Stefano Ekokumanu, and if that was the case, then they would uh, they'd swap straight away, mm. similar to what they did with uh, with Harry Grant a couple of years ago. Tim Sheen, the new director of football, who's been around forever said, absolutely no way. We're not letting Stefano out mm. of our sights. But to me, Chris, and I know, as I said, the, the Storm were, were angry about the story. I had discussions with Craig Bellamy last night. Um, for me, the main story isn't so much uh, that the deal was rejected, but the fact that they were open to letting Brandon Smith off their books straight away. And to me, that shows that there is still a fair bit of animosity between some people at that club and Brandon Smith. Mm. Now, I, I reckon, and uh, and the conversations I've had this morning on it uh, suggest to me that the club itself is a little bit divided on Brandon Smith. I think the football department, and particularly Craig Bellamy, understand that they've got a lack of uh, middle forwards because of the anti-vax status of Nelson Masofa Solomono mm. and uh, the charges, the assault charges that are hanging over the head of Kamakamita. Uh, so I don't. I think from a football perspective, they need Brandon Smith with Harry Grant starting at nine, and and mm. Brandon Smith as as the starting number thirteen. But I think the way that negotiations have gone down, and as I've hinted in this story in the Herald today, there is certainly some very much very. There is certainly very much some some animosity from from the Smith camp mm. about how those negotiations were first started. And there's been a little bit of, uh, of discontent shown by his family members on social media that certainly got up the nose of some of those storm power brokers. I think this, uh, and, and I take the way that uh, Brandon Smith spoke about the club in some ways on that podcast as a middle finger salute to certain people at that club. Absolutely. So I think yeah. it's, I think, I think, it's pretty, I think it's pretty tense there, mate. I reckon it is too, and I've been asking myself and our listeners the question too how is it going to work i mean there are seriously there's got to be some serious relationships that have been fractured in the wake of what brandon's done so how does he go back there and and uh, and get on with business I, I just don't know i don't know how craig bellamy would accept it um and that aside too i mean they i don't know how you can continue to fit uh, smith and harry grant in your salary cap two world class hookers but um so we shall see. We shall see if he does remain there next year. But I, I, I just think it could be quite difficult, quite difficult indeed. Well, I think, I think cap wise they're okay because it was for two, twenty for twenty two. So they had that cap money anyway. Yeah, so I'm just it, saying it, ongoing, ongoing, they're spending a chunk of ongoing, your cap on two very good number nines. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But 
from as I wrote today in the Herald, Chris, I, I don't think the players are off Brandon Smith as much as mm. some of the club seem to be suggesting. I think that's a little bit of spin. Uh, I, I think Craig Bellamy is a professional, and so is Brandon Smith, and he's prepared to. And, and he, you know, coaches coaches at the end of the day just want to win football games, and they're a better chance of winning football games with Brandon Smith there. I think, as I said, it's it's the people above uh, the coaching staff and the players. I think that's where there's a that where it's torn between Brandon Smith and the Melbourne Storm. So mm. um, I, I reckon they could get it done. I still think Melbourne are the P for the competition next season. I think after coming off what happened in 2021, mm. they reckon Cameron Munster is absolutely firing down there at the moment is that right? on yeah. the training paddock where he yeah. should be firing. So, yes. so I think it bodes well for the next year. Yes, good. Uh, mate, changing sports into soccer and the Socceroos, and uh, we've seen in recent days uh, former keeper Mark Bosnich. He's been a little bit critical of current uh, boss Graham Arnold, um, suggesting if, if, if Arnie doesn't change his ways or his tactics, uh, we may well miss out on making the World Cup. It's a tonight's little stink. I was surprised mm. when uh, Graham Arnold, who I've got a great relationship with, yeah. reached out last week. Wanted to sit down and clear the air about a few things, and also about just come out and swing for his players, basically who have come under attack. They've had uh, a couple of draws and a loss in their World Cup qualifiers in the last few uh, last few weeks, and it's cr- created a fair bit of criticism from the football community, um, in, and in particular Mark Bosnich, the great Bozer, who I love to death. He's always good for a quote. He's always good for speaking his mind. He's very passionate about Australian football, but so is Graham Arnold. And he wanted to sit down and basically clarify and explain to me just what they've gone through in terms of qualification in 2021. So they've got four qualifiers left to go. They're in third position at the moment in Group B um, behind Saudi Arabia and Japan. The destiny's in their own hands. People seem to think that, uh, that they're on the verge of not qualifying for the World Cup. But as Arnie says, they've they've basically they've had one one home game in the last in the last basically one home mm. home game in the last uh, in the last ten. So it's been very, very tough for them walking a qualification uh, route as they have. I just think that the thing that people have seized on is Graham Arnold saying after the Saudi Arabia draw that we're in a great position and our team is playing great. And over that one little innocent adjective, people seem to be in an absolute tiz, including Mark Bosnich and including Craig Foster and others who seem to think that he's um, that, that there's nothing to be great about. As he explained to me, they were so ma- mentally fragile, his team, leading up to that game. He had five players available four days beforehand. This is all because of international flights, because of... Um, because you're trying to get people in and out of the country and because of Australia's proximity to the rest of the world and where its international players are, it makes it very difficult to try and assemble a squad and we'll talk tactics. So he's just talking up his team. Mm. Um, but it's a, it's going to be interesting to see how things happen in the next couple of months. But, but he's very strong, Arnie, when I spoke to him last week. Yeah, good fella, Arnie. Good fella. And uh, I don't know. I didn't know there was a bit of history there, maybe, for, uh, with uh, with Bozza. Mate, um, let's talk about your book, um, if we can. And, and I haven't I haven't read it yet. Um, I'm waiting for my signed copy, If These Walls Could Talk. Basically, it's, it's 10 moments uh, that you have considered that have really played an impact on you as a journo and a fan over, over the years. Um, how long has it been in the making? Eight years, wow. would you believe? Yeah, we've all got a book. So the, so the genesis, yeah, I know, yeah, it's a slow burn. So the genesis of this book was over about uh, half a bottle of red wine 
at the Bradman Foundation dinner in 2014. No less than Steve Waugh and Sachin Tendulkar were the inductees that night, and they were talking about the great moments they've had at the great Sydney cricket ground. And one of them, obviously, was Steve Ball's last ball century that yeah. saved his... Uh, saved his career in uh, in 2003. And he talked about this incredible moment when people said, what do you remember? Like, how many people have come up to you since then and said they were there at the Sydney Cricket Ground that day? What stands out? He said, the thing that actually stands out the most is a jockey um, in country Victoria said to him that they were racing in country Victoria at the time. The mm. horses had been loaded into the barriers. They pulled them out so the jockeys, and probably the horses maybe as well, <laughs> could listen to the final over. Then they put the horses back in and they ran the race. Oh, wow. So that to me yeah. just captured how the focus of the nation was on the Sydney cricket ground that day. Were you there? Were, that day, sorry, I didn't, were you there that day? I was. I was it, it was one of I those where, where were your moments, huh? I was sitting in the back of the of the of the MA Noble stand, the old MA Noble stand. Yeah. Uh, I had con- consumed a little bit of amber fluid, let's sure. just say, throughout the day, mm. and it was a great reminder to me that you don't have to be in the sun at a sporting event to get sunburnt <laughs> because the glare was off the ground. And I basically went into the bathroom at the end of the day and went, oh, I look like a raccoon because my know, sunglass. You know what? Well, it was but, probably bouncing off your schooner glass, reflecting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. There's a big chance that could have been the case. Oh, wow. But it was an amazing moment to think that I could be writing about it and to think I could be interviewing Steve Wall about it all these years later was, you know, I, I've said it in a few interviews since the book came out. I've done, been lucky enough to do a lot of uh, great things in my career. I've covered a lot of events, Olympic Games, Super Bowls, World Cups, written some, some been lucky to write uh, some books with some pretty famous people, not least your father, <laughs> And but this is this has got to be the career highlight to write about the cricket ground because I love it so much. And yeah. we, it wasn't me that necessarily came up with the ten moments. It no. was we, we we consulted the members, we threw it out to the members, we talked to the to, to trustees, we talked to historians and the publisher of the book, the great Jeff Armstrong, who's a, a great author and historian in his own right. He he gave me a good sense of perspective as well. So we've got a good sp- spectrum of mm. of cricket, of AFL, of Rugby League, obviously, Rugby Union. There's a bit of a Wade Bay concert in there. Peter Garrett's the last quote on the back page of the of the book. So there's a bit in there for everybody. Well, a couple of my moments, mate, for what it's worth. 86, uh, Parramatta's last premiership. I remember I was up there, Barongal stand, back of the um, back of the commentary box, and it was Dad's last call, for, wasn't it, for would have been Channel 10 That's right. at that stage. And, and he got emotional. He got emotional. Oh, absolutely. He? Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um and then I think it was 77, wasn't it? Um, Dragons Eels, grand final drawn. Nine all, was yeah, it? I think it was. Yeah, I was only a kid. Well, you were there. Yeah, as a seven-year-old. What about now, just working with How Brad. How old are you? you can't be, uh, I, hey? can't believe you, I can't believe you're that old. Yeah, I am. Oh, I've gone all right, haven't I? Hey, what do you reckon? It says different on my uh, t- t- Tinder profile. Says young, yes. How tricky is Rabs <laughs> to work with? He was a dream. He was a dream. That's the end. No, it was good. We actually had a lot of fun. It was, it was, um, we had a lot of laughs. I drank a lot of uh, tea in your uh, father's <laughs> kitchen. Uh, I remember, heart, just think to remember, because we turned through a lot of the interviews and I remember talking to my mother after about the fifth or sixth interview and she, I was just chatting away and she said, okay, enough. 
I don't want to talk to you until you finish this book because you're talking like Ray Warren. <laughs> you spend a lot of time with your father, you start actually uh, talking like the A lot of people do, Webbo. A lot of people I do. I know. I'll yeah. tell Amanda. Well, I'll tell Amanda. That's the bottom gate. <laughs> oh, fair we, we, we had a few. We had a few emotional moments. You know, we both shed a tear together. Um, mm. Uh, oh, wow. And he, it was great, and he was very, he was very committed to it, right? And it was, you know, he's a private man. He didn't really. It took a lot of arm twisting from your brother Mark mm. to get it over the line, but I'm so glad we did because it actually sold a stack. Mm. Well, Webo, <laughs> I think, I think we've... it sold like 50, 50,000 copies that book. Webo, that'll do me. Uh, we're okay. going we're, we're to go, <laughs> go, mate. It's called <laughs> If These Walls Could Talk, All Good Bookstops, uh, Bookshops by Andrew Webster. Thanks, mate, for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Yes, it is, and it's exactly 3 o'clock, 0457 736 736. That's the text line if you want to have your say, um, or you can pick up the open line and uh, give us a call. Pick up the phone, 1300 01 1170. We're here for another hour. Still loads to come uh, in the back hour of the show. Uh, gee, it flies by, doesn't it? That top 10 shootout this afternoon, 5 past 5. Um, we will be off air before then, but we'll be covering all the Bathurst tomorrow as well, ahead of the, the, the big race tomorrow. So looking forward to all that. Uh, the bookies, though, they, um, they've got Van Gisberg and Tanda at uh, the shortest price in betting, around about $4.20 the last I checked. Uh, Win Cup and Lounds, uh, second on the second line of betting, just behind them. And uh, Di Pasquale and uh, D'Alberto, uh, third um, there. But in terms of the uh, the top 10 shootout, Will Brown, um, he'll be last out for that. He's uh, got provisional pole. So keep an eye on that. And Jamie Winkup, unfortunately, qualified 11th. So will not feature in this afternoon's top 10 shootout. Uh, so 9.15 tomorrow, they'll have uh, warm-up. And uh, 12.15, it all starts. 161 long laps. My God, can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? So basically from here to... Sydney to Gold Coast, about 1,000K. Uh, I remember, because I, I remember looking at the speedometer when I, I drove all the way in one hit, or me and McKelpie, actually, it was uh, schoolies week, or the week uh, the year after schoolies, I think it might have been. Um, drove all the way in one hit, Sydney to uh, to the Gold Coast. And I thought, well, what I should do, because I was, you know, you get a bit naughty, particularly, not naughty, Kamali, he's drawing a sleigh left, but, you know, when you get a bit sleepy, <laughs> particularly up around, around Grafton, I think it was, you come out of coughs and then you, what's that, that long stretch of road out of Grafton, I think it is with the, um, it's the Clarence, I'm sure on the left, the big wide river. In fact, I think it's the widest river in this country, but the old road, and I don't know what it's like today, but, ah, oh, the joins in the road, did it, did it, did it, did it, oh my God, that's enough to wake, wake you up. But I thought, well, one thing that would keep me awake, uh, so I picked up a hitchhiker. Don't rep- recommend it, but I picked up a hitchhiker just out of Sydney, up around Hornsby it was, and you wouldn't believe it. I, I picked him up just to sort of chat to me, keep me going for the 12-hour drive or whatever it was back then in my little um, 1978 Toyota, I think it might have been, my first car. And you wouldn't believe it. I was driving up to my girlfriend's place at the time. She lived, uh, where was it, up around uh, Corumban, I think it was. Anyway, he's lived about four doors from uh, my girlfriend's parents' house. So he got a free ride, a free lift the whole way, a uh, whole way from Hornsby uh, to Corumban. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we're talking driving, and I do get off track uh, occasionally. We, uh, the Sydney Sixers, as I said, they are in action tomorrow, opening their uh, their season in the Big Bash. They take on the Melbourne Stars. 
Um, the Sixers looking for a third uh, third title in a row, aren't they? And their record against the Stars is very, very good. I think they've won the last maybe half a dozen matches against the Stars. Leg spinner, and he's a character too, fiery redhead leg spinner Lloyd Pope. He spoke to the boys on drive yesterday. Lloyd Pope from the Sydney Sixers. He's probably <laughs> copped that if anyone in the cricket world is an entourage fan, where I'm sure Lloyd... They've mentioned it at some point to you. He joins us right now from the Sydney Sixers. Great to have him back in town, ready for the big bash, which starts on Sunday. The Sixers taking on Melbourne Stars. Lloyd, how are you, mate? Good, thank you. How are you guys? Good. Part of it, though, yeah. Lloyd, for, for an interstate, you could easily stay back, I'm guessing, and play for the Adelaide Strikers, but it's a little bit different. You obviously got a pretty good offer from the Sixers to come up here again, um, but it's half the fun of it, getting to know other cricketers, uh, living in another place, putting yourself outside your comfort zone and, and furthering yourself as a person on and off the pitch. Oh, 100%. I really enjoy it. It sort of breaks up the season a little bit, um, which is nice. Um, just sort of like getting out of getting out of Adelaide and, and travelling over here. And, and Sydney's awesome. I, I love Sydney. And obviously, as you say, like we stay in Coogee, so it's a beautiful spot and they look after us. And yeah, it's great for, for networking as well and come up and meet some new players. And um, you just like pretty much New South Wales has like half the Australian team as well. So when we get mm. those boys back, you get to bounce some ideas off them. And that's pretty awesome. Lloyd, Brooksy and I, we will be attending a few Sixers games, possibly even yep. uh, this Sunday. Uh, not, inv- it, not invited, am I? Oh, you can oh, come if you yeah. want. Thanks. Give up. I don't know if anyone... <laughs> usually, usually most people don't want to hang around me when I'm drinking, so, so, so I just thought I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to get told no. So, Good point. Um, I'd save the embarrassment of getting turned down, usually. Um, but, mate, that's it's such a, a, a great... Uh, place to, to play at the SCG how are you shaping up this year I know everyone says well yeah it's it's um you know we're gonna have a good season but is it hard to predict because it's such a unpredictable game the 2020 format but how, how do you think is the lining up yeah it is it is hard to predict um I think everyone's got a pretty strong team uh, we haven't we haven't really changed our team from last year um and that sort of form um that sort of, uh, what am I trying to say? The the squad has been obviously yeah. going really well over the last couple of years. So I think we go into this um, this series with like great confidence. Um, everyone believes that we can win it again and get a 3P, which would be really, really cool. But yeah, I don't think too much has changed. And then we just sort of keep trying to um, perform the exact same way we have been and not change too much and then hopefully get the same result. Now, you had a... Word is you had a bit of a solid bromance happening last week, uh, last season with Carlos Brathwaite, who unfortunately isn't <laughs> back this year. And the, the, I mean, you're playing the Stars on Sunday. There's no bigger bromance in Australian cricket right now than Stoinis and Zampa. They're just joined at the hip, those two. Um, w- was it verging on that, the bromance that you had with, with Carlos? It wasn't quite at that level. Oh, uh, no, I don't think anything can get quite to that level. Nah. Um, Zamper and, and Stoin get up to some funky things, but yeah, there's, there's <laughs> no. no one brushing your hair or anything like that in, up in the <laughs> no, um, no, in no, the change no. rooms. <laughs> Nothing like that. No, um, yeah, I'm really disappointed. That Carlos isn't coming over. We, we, we've been talking a little bit on WhatsApp and stuff. And he's just got some shoulder problems and things. So, wishing him a speedy recovery and hopefully he comes back next year if we get another contract, which would be really nice. And then we can catch up then. But yeah, no, I don't think that Bromance is as much mm. as those two. They're uh, pretty crazy. Yes, it's uh, it's quite different, but that's what it's like this day and age, you know. Each uh, each their own. Uh, leg spinning, Lloyd. <laughs> how hard is it in twenty twenty? You know, it just seems everything's geared towards the the batsman. You know, like the bigger bats, the twenty twenty, the power plays. How hard is it, especially for a slower bowler, leg spin bowler, 
uh, with your tactics? Do you have to do your homework and prepare and know what batters like and what they don't like? Because, you know, for, for bowlers, it can be an expensive day out if, if you don't get it right in the 2020 format. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely getting tougher. Um, but we've got we've got the advantage of having heaps of uh, really good technology and, and seeing where sort of batter strike zones are and how they strike against different bowlers. And that's where we, the six have been really good in terms of we chop and change our team a little bit with our squad and um, <clears throat> but to, but depending on matchups to who we um, to we bowl to and stuff like that. So a lot of um, effort goes in behind the scenes that sort of you probably don't see when you're just watching the game, but it's all very thought out and... Um, yeah, everyone does it really well. But, yeah, the the pitches are getting flatter and the boundary is getting shorter and batters and all that, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But there's still a little bit in there for the spinners. So I think the top seven T20 bowlers in the world are all leggy. So there's some there's some thought in that, I guess, that sort of rings in the back of my mind when, I, when I'm bowling. So hopefully try to get into one of them maybe one day. Does that play into your hands a bit if you back yourself that, you know, they can go after you, but that that's what you want. If they do attack you, they're more prone to, to come up with an error and, and you can get a, a bag full. Yeah, 100%. Um, there's that mindset of bowling defensively to then try and get wickets instead of you don't always have to just bowl like really slow, like ripping leg breaks and try and get them to hit the ball up in the air. Like you can just push a ball across them and bowl a bit faster and make them try and make the mistake. So there's a couple of different things we're experimenting with tactic-wise, but that's just the game. That's why that's why I love cricket and stuff because there's always something new. You can always learn something something extra, even when you bowl well or, or poorly. So it's really interesting. And then Kez Bart, uh, with a picture of him, can you <laughs> can you kind of expand on what that actually means? Um, oh, it's it's a, weird, a bit of a weird story that's probably like more of an inside joke. But Stoyna yeah, Sampia weird or, <laughs> or just or Kerry Kerry Pope weird? What's the what weirdness are we talking here? Uh, well, I've sort of I didn't really come up with it, but I sort of just jumped on the end of it. Um, <laughs> but he always instead of saying like mate or buddy or something like that, he just says Bart. So um, that's sort of just been the 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 normal thing that he's been saying in the Redbacks since I've been contracted. Um, I think Karen Valenti actually came up with it. But, yeah, it's just sort of something that's sort of um, yeah, always been said around the Redbacks, so I just thought I'd put it up there. But, no, I'm I'm so pumped for him. He's been working really hard, and he made a terrific 100 in the one day, the last one day that we played. So yeah. I hope he hits 100 on debut for the Aussies. That would be amazing. He was smashing Queensland everywhere on yeah. Sunday. Well, at, he, uh, he'll be now our long-term... In your opinion, Lloyd, is he a long-term keeper now in that position, or do you see it chopping and changing? Oh, jeez, with with a little bit of bias, I hope so. That'd yeah. be really great. Um, yeah, I, I think he's got the goods. So uh, if he goes well, I don't see why he couldn't keep his spot in, in the Aussie side for the next couple of years, definitely. But um, yeah, selections never—I don't know—people do funky things and weird stuff always happens. So who knows? But I wish him all the best. And if he if he plays to the best of his ability, he'll be a very good keeper for Australia, I'm sure. Hey, from your point of view, um, from a, a spinner's point of view, what makes Nathan Lyon so good? Obviously, he's got a fantastic record. He's on the verge of 400 Test wickets, 399. Probably takes 400 up the gabber. But what what's the the inside info from a, a spinner about what? makes Gary so uh, so damn good. Well, how long have we got? I mean, he's so bloody good. 25 um, seconds. Can you finish in 25 <laughs> seconds? He's amazing. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that we're just off spinners. Like, a lot of, a lot of blokes would just undercut the ball. But um, Gaz has just, like, this amazing wrist and fingers where he can just get over the ball and bowl almost like top spinners that just dip and just bounce and spin everywhere. So I think just, like, that stock ball is just so good of his. And it's obviously been proven that it's so good. But... 
then his consistency as well. So probably those two things for me, it's pretty amazing what he can do. I'm not too sure about the, the wickets these days. If like the, Traditionally, the SCG was a great spinner's wicket. You know, obviously you had the, the speed in Perth, the, mm. the, the, the seamers up in Brisbane. But was that, is that a decision when you decide if you go, what team to pick for 2020 that, you know, SCG is historically, you know, friendly to the spinners, Lloyd? Uh, yeah, I was probably a little bit too young to play on the wickets when they were sort of more without the drop-ins and stuff yeah. like that. So when it was more, um, as you said, like fast at the whacker and blah, blah, blah. But I think, yeah, definitely they're trying, they're trying now to make the wickets come sort of back to how they were uh, maybe 10, 10 or so years ago, which I think would be really, really cool. But mm. yeah, it's hard with this drop-in wickets sometimes, but it definitely does... Um, make a difference in selection uh obviously if you've got if you've got a ragging um scg wicket they might even play something like lion and um schwepson which would be really really cool mm. from a from a leggy's point of view to see schweppo play for in the aussie colors in the test match so uh yeah it definitely does play some impact in selection i think and this weekend we've got the stars how's it gonna go the stars have you know always been the stars so to speak but without sort of picking up the chocolates but how, how, how do they how are they looking first up uh, for their clash on Sunday? I think they're yeah, always scary. As you said, that you've got the bromance guys that are pretty good cricketers mm. in their own right. Um, they got And Maxi as well. So they're probably the big three for them that we've got to do a bit of research on and some, some plans to get them out. But as I said, like our team hasn't changed for a while. We've got the better over them the last couple of games and things. So um, hopefully we have a really good game and kick off the season well. Yeah, and hopefully you can avoid getting uh, <laughs> Glenn Maxwell in in the mood when you rock up and uh, you start to bowl and he starts reverse sweeping everyone uh, all over the joint. So he's, <laughs> it's pretty intimidating, I'd imagine, trying to get get on one over him. Oh, 100%. I mean, he's one of the best batters in the world for a reason, especially in the, in the T20 format. And he can hit the ball 360, which is pretty scary when, you, when you're doing some footage and things. And you go, well, if I bowl here, he's going to hit me over my head. If I bowl here, he's going to switch hit me or something like that. But... With those shots comes an element of risk, so just trying to put the odds in your favour and then hopefully hits one up in the air, I reckon. Lloyd Pope, good luck Sunday. Good luck for the BBL season. It's a, it's a big one. Wish you well, and thanks for joining us on Drive, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, that was yesterday on Drive, Lloyd Pope, and uh, with the Sydney Sixers. And, uh, well, we know, I mean, in T20 cricket these days, it's uh, you know, very much a, a, a spinner's domain, isn't it? Uh, spinners don't. We saw what Adam Zampa did at the uh, the recent World Cup, T20 World Cup. Um, so there it was yesterday with uh, that was with uh, Brett Finch and Adam Peacock on Drive yesterday afternoon. And the Sixers they will take on the Melbourne Stars tomorrow night. Their opening match of uh, of the new BBL season. And uh, our coverage, you can hear all that ball by ball uh, here on SEN uh, 1170. Our coverage commences at six. We'll take a break, a break and uh, back with more. Man, it's coming up to 18 minutes past uh, 3 o'clock. Chris uh, Warren with you up until 4 o'clock. Hope you're well. Hope you're enjoying your, uh, well, it's probably a lazy Saturday afternoon. It might not be. You might be uh, busy as all hell out there, running kids around to all sorts of sports. Uh, you might be just uh, chilling back. You might be watching a bit of motorsport in front of the uh, the TV as well. Whatever you're doing, hope you're well, and uh, I'm glad you're tuning in, tuning into Sports Central. It's been a busy show and still a fair bit to go as well. We're going to talk a bit of uh, rugby league now, and uh, to do all that, I know he's been very, very busy today. I'll get up to speed exactly what he's been doing today. Brett Kamali, good afternoon. Hello, Chris. How are you, buddy? 
Mate, I'm good. I haven't spoken to you for a while. How have you been? You've been good? I've been very good, thank you. Yes, uh, obviously, yeah, the NRL's finished now and the feet up a little bit. Weekend's off uh, in the way of commentating on ATN, but... Um, no, uh, obviously, Rowan, the West Tigers has kicked off uh, back in the office. Junior league training happening um, nearly every day now, and obviously we've had some internal opposed trials for Bromain and West. So yeah, things are going things are going good in the new role, Chris, as well. Yeah, I was going I was going to ask you um, about that. So what's it uh, in a nutshell? What's it entail? Um, your new development role? Yeah, pathways coaching manager. So obviously, uh, my power big part of my role is looking after all the coaches for our junior sides or our, our sides, everything that sits below knock-on effect and the women's program as well as the West Tigers. So um, doing that, uh, I go to the NRL training sessions two days a week and help a little bit there as well. Yeah. Um, and get an idea of, you know, structure and principles and rules that we will flow on down through the club and calls and, and, and style of football as well. So yeah, so it's, it's very enjoyable. Um, you know, it's nice to be back into I suppose club land or at a club. Um, we're out of lockdown um, today. We, a few of us have gone off, and this weekend we're doing the, the blue trainers course. Um, so I've been at Homebush for three quarters of today, and tomorrow I'll be there for the for nearly the whole day. So there's a number of us getting those accreditations in case they're required to help some some teams if they get short, or just basically the essential to have the ability, to, I suppose, to do first aid and and if you go to training and something happens, you can. You can help and assist people. That's the blue shirt trainers course for first yeah. aid. Okay, so that's not. Uh, we're not going to see you popping up like Alfie Langer um, does no, with Brisbane. Not. No, no, no. That's no, the yellow no, shirt, no. right? That's yellow. Shirt. He might be blue shirt. There's blue and there's yellow. So yellow is more of the injury person. Yep. Um, blue is sort of a bit more of a generic first aid, I think. So uh, I'm led to believe that Mr. Robbie Farrar um, right. could be running the shirt for the West Tigers. So you might see him on the field. During 2022, running some messages from um, from from, yeah. from Madge from the sideline to the field, but uh, yeah, so Robbie's been at training as well and helping out a little bit, and uh, obviously, you know, having some some ex players, ex greats of the club back well, around. Well, B Marshall, B Marshall too, B. Marshall, he might pop yeah. up back out there. B Marshall will pop up back out there. Definitely sign with the club to come back in a, in a multiple roles. So um, yeah, so he will help me. You know, we will hopefully uh, have him going out and seeing a lot of our teams or. You know, visiting the teams Belmain West yeah. and MacArthur that we play in, and obviously it'll help help us out with our spine academy that we're, we're putting together there at the club as well. So, you know, he's well, been a wonderful, well, wonderful ball playing five eight. Um, you know, so he certainly will share a lot of that great knowledge with all our good kids. I tell you what, you're blessed in terms of experience. Uh, well, you, Michael Maguire, is I mean, and and Tim Sheens, uh, yourself, um, Robbie Farah, Benji Marshall as well. There's there's no shortage of of expertise and experience there. So, I mean, geez, I bet all three of you guys would probably like to even pull the, well, maybe not you, Nod, but pull the boots back on and go out there. I saw, I was reading last week, um, and talking of uh, Robbie Farrah, he's um, he's doing quite well, isn't he, off the field with his, his venture. I think he's got a, a, a Pilates gym or a, a franchise yeah, well, or yeah, chain. Yeah, recently, recently opened a Pilates gym, and um, uh, also I think he's, Got a, a physical gym as well, yeah. So and a bit of, I think his his business is going quite well now. He's, um, you know, his events business, which mm. is obviously, you know, when when COVID happens and no one can go to any events or travel, that would be that's one of the first things that stops. But yeah, so uh, obviously he's got some events. I think he's looking. I think he's hopeful of the world not going into a lockdown again because he's got a big trip planned to the Super Bowl um, next year, which would be ah. which would be amazing. So 
Robbie, yeah. Anyone listening, they can jump on potentially Robbie's trip to um to the Super Bowl. Well, and he, he's a mad Liverpool fan too, isn't he? Um, he is. He definitely doing, is. Yes, they're doing yes. okay in the Premier League, as you would expect. Uh, on Pilates, have you ever done Pilates? Not. I didn't know what Pilates was until only recently when I've been forced to take it up by my physio. Yes, the same thing. I had no idea what it was. Obviously, when you play football, they try to do yoga and Pilates yeah. and all these things. And it's, it's, you don't really pay much attention to it when you think you're young and you know everything. Um, yep. But I had back surgery a couple of years ago, so uh, I was advised to do Pilates, and it was one of the best things I've done. So mm. uh, improved the golf game. I'll hit the ball a lot better. I can oh, assure bet, you the yeah. ball was a bit stronger. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, it was really enjoyable. I, I did enjoy it. I can't say I enjoy it, but I'm doing it. Uh, I put the tights I on. Robbie's, I look like Robbie's, an absolute Robbie's... tosser in my own garage gym with the tights well, on. Well, I was going to say, if, you, if you've got the full lycra on as well, I would hate to picture that with you and the no, full lycra. I haven't got the full lycra, but I've got – I just find – like you don't want to do it in, in boardies. I just find put the tights on, you feel a bit more, I don't know, dressed for the part. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, you I, don't, I, do you? I don't know what it's called. I think – I think Robbie Robbie's got the I think he's got the, the what I don't know, what is it the reformer is it where they've got all the beds yeah and everything yeah and stuff, so. I haven't got a reformer I just I, me I, and my mat and my mirror yeah mm. yeah okay that's scary isn't it Happy Coruscant Noddy so he's the latest big name to be joining the club but not for next year but for the year after it's a big loss for Penrith but uh, this is what happens um, when you win a premiership isn't it. It does, yeah. Or well, I think the, the couple. If you look at a couple of the top sides this year, they've all sort of had a bit of their talent pool taken off them by the clubs that are looking to improve. Um, I think it's a great signing. Yeah, obviously, you know, he's on the you know, New South Wales, finished New South Wales dummy half. Um, he's won a premiership with Major South. Um, you know, he's nearly a two. I think he's just about a two hundred game NRL player, and mm. still got a number of years left in him. So. Um, you look at the good sides, and the good sides have got that spine, um, the one, six, seven, nine, and the nine. I watched a fair bit of football the last few weeks on computer, obviously, just to, mm. to see what the good sides do well. And all they do is they execute their play to perfection, and, and that starts with the quality of play you got. So, yeah, I think Appy Coruscant, a wonderful passer of the ball, great defender, comes out of a two, you know, two premierships now he's won in his career. So, yeah, so as the uh, Isaiah Papali the other week as well that, that the club was able to sign. So, you know, obviously mm. Tim Sheens has been back for a number of weeks and been very busy, you know, very active. He has been off the field and, yeah, some great signings for the club. I see that Canterbury are trying to offload, if they can, Nick Kotrick, and I, I know the West Tigers are in the hunt for him as well. Um, so too, his former club, Canberra. Um, he'd be a handy pick-up, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Again, it's, you know, I've only been there for a few weeks, so it's you know, there's a lot of people training. You know, obviously, you've got a lot of the kids do a couple of weeks over summer, so there's big numbers of training. But, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of talented players at the club and a lot of good young kids that, are, you know, again, because the NRL was the only thing that kept going the last sort of half of the season, you don't really pay attention to the younger players if you're not a part of that football club. So I'm looking forward to seeing players train and, and play and, and see how much great talent we've got at the club. And, you know, as you said, Nick Kotrick potentially could be a good signing or... Potentially, we could have you know three or four of those players equally as good as Nick Kotrick in the club as well, waiting for their opportunity. A couple of years ago, you had well, you weren't there, but West Tigers Harry Grant. It was the making of Harry Grant. He really burst onto the scene, and and now have a look at him go. Uh, I read an article in the Sydney Morning Herald today, and just spoke to him actually uh, about half an hour ago, half an hour or so ago. Andrew Webster, and he was saying that, um, and I won't get you involved in this, but he was saying that he's had sources tell him that Melbourne Storm were trying to well inquiring whether West Tigers would like to take Brandon Smith 
for next season on a one-year deal uh, in, a, in a player swap for uh, Utoika Manu. I won't get your opinion on that because you probably don't know much about it, but you can't talk out of school anyway. But let me ask you this. I think it's going to be very difficult for Brandon Smith um, next year at Melbourne Storm, given what's transpired over the past week. 100%, yeah. I, I chatted to SEN in Melbourne the other day and said that. I said this is probably the biggest challenge of the Melbourne Storm's history. Um, they've lost you know, a couple of great players at the end of the season to other clubs. Um, the Brandon Smith um, issue could surface. All it's going to take is you know, a little bit of a form slump. There's a bit of distraction. There's disharmony in the change room. Um, some of the comments he made, and again, he's you know he's looking after his own future, and, and you know by the sounds of it, he's going to end up very well off at any of the three clubs he decides to go to. Um, whether it is, you know, he obviously made some comments about the Roosters. So, mm. yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know wh- whether it'll work out if he stays there. Um, I certainly have to manage it, but um, yeah, this, it's you know a, a side that is built very successfully well and had a great roster and that roster has been picked apart very cleverly I suppose in the last two years to, to, to make their stockpile of all those key positions uh, a bit more vulnerable now so yeah, yeah it's, it'll be a big challenge for the club or a yeah. big challenge for the, the coaching staff down there at the club. Yeah I reckon it will and uh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall with some of those conversations between Craig Bellamy and and and, and uh, Brandon Smith uh, in, in recent days. Well Noddy are you a a rev head, a bit of a motorsport fan. Will you do you like your, your Bathurst and supercars or give or take? Leave oh, or I'm take? not 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 no. too big on not too big on it. But um, you know, I, I, I my day tomorrow will be at Ain Centre New South Wales Rugby League Centre of Excellence. So obviously, no. the Blues and um, you're doing a trainer course. But, well, good um, luck with no. that. You're you're often supplied. You might as well give them a plug. Supply to car by I don't know who's giving you cars these days. Who is it? No, I've come away. Not like that. Not like that. No. I thought you no. were. I thought no. no. Oh, you, oh, you, oh, you. Well, not at the moment. Obviously. Oh, you're fishing for a new deal. Yeah, no, no, I'm okay. Huh? I lost, I lost it the other day. That the, the little luxury. Oh, of that. So I was, you know, we're sharing cars Sorry. Now back at home again. There. Oh, back to the like, like the rest of us. You've got to pay your own way. Oh my god. Oh, no. Oh, no. Speaking of which. Chris. Speaking of which, Rego's due for me today. I better oh, get yes. All right, mate. Have you voted? I did vote, yeah. I, I voted this afternoon, so I went, you know, went up to in Woolaware and put my vote in. So yeah, so. Um, oh, well, I must be the only one. Who, yeah, you I got, must... mate. You're a busy man, though. You, well, you've got to hold the fortress of a radio company up. You tell them that. I'll try and tell them that. I'll write them a letter yeah. saying I was busy on SEN for four hours straight. Oh, me Todd. Yeah. They won't and, listen. And, and, be another fine. And preparation, preparation, which is always what you do very, very well. Preparation. For well, that's your, right for tomorrow. Your, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all right. Hey, thanks for chatting, Noddy. Uh, good luck with your Blue Trainers course all day tomorrow as well. And uh, I bet you're just, you, you can't wait to get back in the studios here, can you? Hey, call I can't the wait. Games. I can't wait to come live with you in the studio and, and have fun and, and talk and call yeah. rugby league matches again. Absolutely. There it is. All right, mate. Take care. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, Brett, Chris. Bye. Brett Kamali. Good fella, isn't he? Brett Kamali. And he's wearing a couple of hats now, isn't he? Uh, out there at West Tigers. Well, but aren't they fortunate? Got some very good intel. Kamali, Marshall, and Robbie Farrah all there uh, working in tandem with uh, with Coach Michael Maguire. And above him is is Tim Sheens, West Tigers fans. Yeah, maybe, just maybe, um, it might be time for you boys, guys, to, uh, to crack it into the finals in 2022. All right, you're listening to Sports Central. It's 29 to 4.
And it's 25 minutes to four o'clock. We're in the home straight here. Um, not quite Conrod straight, but uh, we are in the home straight. Uh, we are hoping to talk to uh, No Looksy Brooksy, who talks some NBA. But I did say earlier on that uh, he's out and about. No Looksy, he's got a very busy social uh, schedule, and it may well just uh, be that he's uh, put uh, well, some of the finer things in life, life ahead of, of having a chat to me. Um, I hope not, because I would like to. Uh, chat to him. Uh, keep those text messages coming through 0457 736 736. Uh, no name on this one. G'day Chris. Uh, vote to not vote. Yep. Well that's a, tra- that's a drama isn't it? I'm just reminding you too if you are listening now if you haven't voted yet your local council elections. You've got till six o'clock tonight I believe if you want to do it in the flesh. Uh, you can do it online I believe. Just google I vote. And you should be able to do that. Uh, uh, Justice of the Peace, yes, th- no? Uh, no, I think iVote would have been closed maybe a couple of hours ago. Jeez, oh, that doesn't help me, does it? No. Well, how am I supposed to do that if I'm here? Talking on, I can't do that and talk. No, it's too, too, yeah. Um, and I was trying to do a little Instagram post yeah. at some point too to wish yep. my, my son a happy birthday. Mm. I couldn't even get that done. So what chance am I of iVoting? So that's gone. All right, so I've got to get to um, local school or somewhere before six I was going to go and have an ale, quite shandy or something. You probably would think that the line could be a little, I say not many people. No, you're right. It probably won't, won't be many people Because I was there. just about to say, Chris. Mind you, get... I, haven't got a, I haven't got a clue who's on the ticket. I, and That's I don't a good care. point. I don't care. So I'll... why are they fining me if I don't, I've got no opinion whatsoever in the local council election. No opinion whatsoever. I'm just surprised it's compulsory. And yet they will this. make compulsory and they will fine me 50 or 100 bucks. 100 bucks, I think it is, the last fine I got, mm. if I choose not to do it. It's bizarre. I thought this was a democracy. It's, okay, I can understand fact. Um, let's. I know it's a bit off topic here. State and federal. I do not want to vote. But council elections. Who are these people? No idea. That's the point. I'll walk in there, and there could be. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know if you're on the ticket, my local council. I wouldn't know who they are. I'll say, Chris. The only thing that I'll be interested in is that there's still sausage sandwich and or some cakes. Do they normally have them at most? I remember at my. I bet you're going to pay. No, I will for several bucks just for donations. But you would think so. I think it's a rort. It's a rort. I'm sure it's a rort. Um, anyway, look, yeah, I will try and get there before six then, I guess. Um, anyway, we'll just wait and see. Sydney Six is there in action uh, tomorrow. Looking forward to, to the Big Bash. Um, I think it's good the way they've sort of done it this year. It's going to be, I think, the same number of games, but just condensed a bit, aren't they? It's compressed, Chris, so I think. There's probably there's a game of the Big Bash Every day until I think in December fifteenth. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's it's what's that word? It's jam packed this season. Absolutely. Which, which I like because you need to sort of jam pack the season. But if there was a thing that I wish I would like is I think the Big Bash final should be playing on Australia Day. If you think about National Day, National Sport Cricket. Wouldn't have a problem some... with that. No, wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Um on the twenty sixth. Yeah, then the only thing there is, you know, you got um a lot of people are out and about doing things on Australia Day. They might take their eye off it. We spoke to um, Andrew Webster earlier on about his article today in the Sydney Morning Herald, basically, and, and here it is here. So it just goes to show you, too, you know, sporting journalism and how two, our, our two main publications. So today we've got the Sydney Morning Herald. I turn to the back page there, and I'll go through that in a moment, written by... Webby, Webbo, Andrew Webster, who we spoke to earlier on. 
basically the, the headline there is Melbourne Storm offer Brandon Smith to Tigers in a swap deal. And then, uh, then I turn to the other paper, the Daily Telegraph or the Saturday Telegraph, and the headline there is Storm reject cheese trades. Uh, that one written by Dean Ritchie. Funny, isn't it? Um, so they're basically, basically um, in contradiction to, to each other. But just again, to go through what Webby, or Webbo, uh, was saying here. So the West Tigers have uh, flatly rejected an audacious offer from the Melbourne Storm to swap out of favour hooker Brandon Smith for gun forward Stefano Utoikamanu for next season in a one-year deal. In a further sign of just how much Smith has angered Melbourne over the manner in which he is signed with the Roosters from 2023, it can be revealed, writes Webbo, that uh, recruitment manager Paul Bunn reached out. So the Tigers this week, um, reached out to the Tigers this week, rather, shopping Smith on a one-year deal. New Tigers director of football, Tim Sheens, discussed the matter with Storm coach Craig Bellamy, with whom he has a long-time relationship from their days as coach and player in Canberra. Sheen's considered uh, the idea of signing Smith uh, because the Tigers have struggled to find an established hooker since Robbie Farrell retired. But negotiations abruptly ended when the club was told Melbourne wanted Utoikamanu in return. Okay, so they uh, were not prepared to... Uh, let their big bopper go, West Tigers. Uh, so that was uh, Andrew Webster in the City Morning Herald and similar story, but just a different sort of headline, which makes it sound like it's um, contrary to that story uh, by Dean. Richie Storm reject cheese trades. Uh, they're angry, but seemingly ready to forgive, writes Dean Richie. Melbourne has rejected Approaches from four rival NRL clubs to release Brandon Smith the next season and instead look to set to give the in-demand hooker an opportunity for redemption in Melbourne Storm colours. In the wake of his controversial podcast appearance, the Daily Telegraph can reveal interested clubs have sought an immediate player swap with Melbourne for Smith, but Storm management have shunned the offers put on the table. Given the difference between the Storm's valuation and the players being offered in return. It now appears certain Smith will be pardoned and told to return to pre-season training. But he'll be met with some hard eyes from coaching staff and teammates. Well, that's what I was saying. I just, not just coaching staff and teammates. What about the other departments, operational staff and those other departments of which there are many in the Melbourne Storm wheel, um, highly effective Melbourne Storm wheel or cog as well. Those other departments that he sort of, you know, thumbed his nose at or you know, saying how well it was done at other clubs like the Roosters where he's going. Uh, it goes on here. It comes after Smith revealed his ad uh, admiration for the Sydney Roosters, the team he has uh, since agreed to join from 2023, blah, blah, blah. Um Smith uh, will be made to return to Storm headquarters and explain his behaviour to club bosses. <laughs> I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that one. Uh, as one well-placed source said, he stuffed up but will be given the benefit of the doubt. He will be at Melbourne Storm in 2022. You might have your thoughts on that. 
uh, if he is at Melbourne Storm next year, Brandon Smith, obviously we know he's going to the Roosters in 2023, but if he is at Melbourne Storm next year, um, it could be tricky, couldn't it? Could be really, really tricky. All right, you are listening to Sports Central. Uh, we are in the, the very home straight now. Uh, we're very much a- approaching Conrod Strait. I want to talk a bit of NBA action shortly. I've located no looksy brooksy. I didn't have to look far, and uh, I was right. I was right. He was out whining and dining, I believe. He'll join us next. It's 12 minutes to four. Hope you are well. Hope you've enjoyed the last few hours uh, of Sports Central. I'll be back tomorrow, midday until five o'clock tomorrow. Yep, so you've got an extra hour of me. I know, I know. Great, huh? We'll be all right. We'll be right. Help me out tomorrow, okay? If you haven't um, sent a text in today, and I've got to got to be honest with you, quite a, uh, there hasn't been as many as I would have liked or thought today, to be honest. The interaction. So I'm hoping you guys pull your finger out tomorrow. Yeah, and I'm talking to you. You know who you are. Yes, exactly. Listeners, tomorrow get involved. Right, five long hours, but I'll be rest assured. I'll, I'll I'll drum up some guests and some good interviews overnight, and we'll be back on deck tomorrow to do it all again. We're going to talk a bit of NBA. We've already spoken NBL. Um, Sydney Kings in action tomorrow, aren't they? Against Melbourne United out there at Kudos Bank Arena. We've spoken uh, to their their club boss. Our next guest to talk a bit more basketball and other stuff too in the world in just the world, full stop, is no looksy Brooksy, who generally spends his Saturday afternoons whining and dining. Where is thou? Uh, not out today. Why? I'm, I'm at home. I'm doing. I'm just doing all the chores. I, you know, the Christmas season's about to ramp up. Oh. Christmas parties, catch-ups yeah. with the mates. I did that last week. But, uh, yeah, I thought I'd have a quiet Sunday today. Well, a couple of good basketball games on as well. So we'll talk about the decision easier. Talk about the basketball in a moment. What do you got on in the background? What's that blaring I can hear? You got a remote yeah, that control? Is the basketball. Oh, righto. Yeah, yeah. It's a, sorry, I'll turn it down. It's a bit of the ESPN going on. Yeah, no, that's all right. I, I just listeners okay with that? I hope they don't mind. No, they're good. That's fine. <laughs> that, that's fine. That that interaction in the background, that, that is all right. Uh, talk basketball in a moment. Can I ask you before we do, have you voted yeah. today? I did. I, I ticked that box in more ways than one earlier today. Mm. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting situation. You walk in, you get thrown a, I don't know how many pamphlets. I, I put my head down. I had the blinkers yeah. on today. <laughs> you do that, yeah. Um, yeah, just went in. No, no, all good, guys. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Walk through. Get a free pen. Got a free pen. Oh, makes it worth a free pen? I haven't been yet. That's my issue. I've been, I've, oh, I've been given two fines in previous years for the same thing. <laughs> um, and it's bloody crept up on me again. Um, Mate, Chris, this is, this is your chance to change history. You know, and you're just throwing it away willy-nilly. Yeah, local, no, leave me out, Brooksy. Leave me out at the local council <laughs> stuff. I wouldn't know who they are. Talk some uh, NBA then. A stack of games. Uh, we can't talk about all of them. Um, a couple of games still being played. Um, Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns. Uh, that's being played as we speak. So too the, the Lakers and Clippers. Yes, yeah, so the Warriors are up by nine. This is an interesting one. We've been talking about it all week, mate. The Suns and the Warriors playing two games this week. Suns looking for their 19th straight win. Uh, they beat the Warriors earlier in the week on Wednesday, holding Steph Curry to one of his worst shooting performances mm. in his career. But Steph's uh, been the focal point of the offense today. He's got 23 points at the moment. Warriors 71-62. 
he, he's great to watch. He's got six three-pointers. Just the way he... Today, he's been um, very efficient and he's been getting everyone else involved. Jordan Poole and um, Andrew Wiggins have been playing really well. Wiggins got 16 points today. Mm. But yeah, it looks like the, the streak may end. Devin Booker, who's the Suns star, injured his hammy in the Wednesday win against the Warriors. So he's been out these past two games. So they won in, they won in between um, the two Warriors games of the Suns to, to break that franchise record win streak. But yeah, they, they're missing him today. Like they're getting a lot of lot of offense from the center, DeAndre Ayton. He's got 21 points, but they're just missing that spark from Booker, who averages probably around 23, 24 points a game. So yeah, it looks like the streak will end, uh, barring a massive comeback here late in the third and the fourth quarter. But yeah, the Warriors and the Suns, it's sort of got a bit of a playoff feel to it. I think this is two teams that will meet late in the Western Conference. All right, playoff. and uh, it's been a big uh, a few days, couple of days for Paddy Mills. Uh, and his Brooklyn Nets have had a win. Close one, though. Yeah, I, I caught a bit of this game today, Chris. Like, Paddy, 23 points. Like, he... Like, when Kyrie Irving went down, we they were trying to work out who that third scorer was going to be. They've got quite a few former All-Stars and LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin. But Paddy's been outstanding. Today, he had 23 points, nailed four threes. He... Nailed a massive three late in the fourth quarter that sort of stretched their lead. And, yeah, he's, I think he's arguably, pound for pound, the best signing of the offseason. Like, they've got him on a veteran um, salary. So, mm. I, don't think it's, I don't think it's very, like, it's not big. He was actually touted as going to the Warriors. Like, there was early interest from the Warriors because of their, their missing Clay Thompson for most of the season. He would sign a one-year deal with the Warriors. But he's gone to Brooklyn. And he's been that, that third scorer. They've had Joe Harris out too. So he's been really good for them. And, yeah, another win for the Nets. They're sitting on top of the East. So, yeah, again, like we could see the Warriors on top of the West, Nets on top of the East. There's that Kevin Durant um, Warriors sort of narrative that we could see potentially in the NBA Finals. It's still early days, but I like to dream and sort of mm-hmm. think about the future. And that, that could be a good one if, if we head into June with those two teams, there's that word we uh, hear battling for the championship. That word we hear on drive a bit. Narrative. Jolly likes that too. <laughs> a Philly scraped home. Listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course I have. A Philly scraped home <laughs> against Atlanta. Yeah, a good defensive stop at the end from Joel Embiid got him the win. You could tell after the game, like he was celebrating a playoff win. This this guy's uh, had COVID. He's had to battle with Ben Simmons not playing. Um, when he was out, the, the Sixers just struggled massively without him. But today, he had 28 points, 12 boards and two blocks. They won 98-96 in Atlanta. Trey Young was there, like leading scorer, 25 points. He also had 10 assists. It was a good game. This is, this is the team that knocked Ben Simmons and Philly out of the playoffs, which caused the big drama. So you can sort of feel that there was something small there for, uh, for Joel at the end of the game. Like he ran to half court and started fist pumping you know that Michael Jordan um, Gatorade ad that you saw back in the day where he makes the shot and he just starts yep. punching the air? It was a similar reaction. And this is only like, what, how many games into the season? Only 23 games yeah. in an 82-game season. Like, it meant something to him. I think he, this could be a little run for Philly now. I think getting over the Hawks and, and, you know, it was symbolic win too from what happened last year. I think they can sort of start getting a bit of a roll on. Their young guys have been playing well. Um, 
with Ben Simmons out. So I think, yeah, we could we could start to see a bit of a rise for Philly getting up to the Milwaukee Bucks sort of Brooklyn net tights in the standings. Mm. All right, mate. Hey, thanks for taking a bit of time out, Brooks. You've got to say goodbye. We might even chat again tomorrow uh, to all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed the last four hours. I'll be back in the chair tomorrow from midday. Until then, keep smiling.